0: Ten days ago, Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma to lead USC's football program. It was shocking, stunning, stupefying. Pick an adjective in that ballpark, and that's what it was. Naturally, many people close to the Oklahoma football program, whether it was fans, boosters, or even media members, probably felt a sense of panic. Not only did Riley leave Oklahoma high and dry... He did so with less than two and a half weeks to go before the early signing period on December 15th. At the drop of a hat, OU found itself needing to find a brand new head coach in short notice, knowing that the 2022 recruiting class could potentially be stripped of quality commits. And by the way, the jump to the SEC was right around the corner. Now, I've never been a big panic guy, but I certainly understand those who may have felt like the sky was falling on Sunday, November 28th. Now, as we fast forward to Wednesday, December the 8th, as I record this podcast, I hope those who felt fear in regards to OU's future have been relieved of their terror somewhat, if not all the way. Brent Venables is the new head football coach at the University of Oklahoma. And that just feels right. In fact, given all the options, or rumored options that Oklahoma had to choose from I've decided that Venables was the best choice for Sooner Nation now I found out late Tuesday night that OU had completed a deal to bring aboard Ole Miss Offensive Coordinator Jeff Lebby at this time last week during the podcast I wasn't sure if Lebby's name was publicly out there as a potential candidate for Oklahoma so Grant and I didn't name him directly on this show Now, if you listened to the show last week, Lebby was the unnamed guy we were referring to when we discussed who Brent Venables could bring in as offensive coordinator. The other head coach OC duo that we thought sounded great was Matt Rule and Joe Brady. By the way, very interesting that Joe Brady is now out in Carolina. But anyways, Venables plus Lebby, the more I research Jeff Lebby, the more excited I am about that duo. You've got maybe the best defensive coordinator in college football in Brent Venables, a guy who's done it for 25 plus years and is perhaps the most qualified first time head coach we've ever seen in college football. And you're pairing that mind and that philosophy with a guy who's a young up and coming offensive play calling star who's produced arguably better offenses at Ole Miss the past two seasons than Oklahoma produced under Lincoln Riley. Lebby just spent two years coaching up Matt Corral, the top quarterback prospect in the upcoming NFL draft. Lebby's arrival in Norman should give Oklahoma a great chance to keep Caleb Williams in the Crimson and Cream moving forward. We shall see. This past Sunday on News 9's Sunday sports show, The Blitz, News 9 contributor Dusty Dvorak came on and said that if Brent Venables does indeed bring Jeff Lebby onto the Oklahoma staff, that Dusty believed the pairing of Venables and Lebby would put the Sooners in a better position right now than they were with the Lincoln-Riley-Alex Grinch duo. Well, we know now that Lebby is on board at Oklahoma. So is Dusty correct that OU is in a better position now? I think he may have a point, and I agree with him. Now we'll see if Grant feels the same way or if he'll push back. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my absolute proudest honor to be able to introduce to you for the first time your new head football coach, Brent Venables.
1: We will employ an exciting, fast, explosive, and diverse offense combined with a physical, punishing, relentless, suffocating defense.
0: There it is. OU's got a new head coach, and he's already saying things that have the OU fan base all fired up. But let's not get too carried away. We all know that talk is cheap. you got to back it up with actions. And unfortunately, we all have a, a long time to wait until Oklahoma's first game with Brent Venables in charge. Really quick, I do want to say thank you to a few of you out there who've recently left us five star ratings and five star reviews on iTunes. We really appreciate the feedback and we appreciate the support of the podcast. We're about to go through. Uh, we're about to get through. Get through. Excuse me. We're about to get through season five of the show. And uh, little did we know that as the podcast continues, we've got a brand new era of OU football to watch and comment on moving forward. So of course there's tons to talk about today and joining me as always to sift through all of the OU football news, a man who's perfected the greatest celebration of all time. That is of course the scream and flex celebration. There's nothing better than accomplishing a feat in athletics or just life in general and commemorating that moment by screaming as loud as you can. And flexing your muscles as hard as humanly possible. In fact, this man may have done just that when he found out that Brent Venables was Oklahoma's new head coach. That man is none other than
2: Grant Benson. I think that's my favorite intro so far. Man, I I, I do love do love the scream and flex. Of course, we'll see much much more of that as we get into the basketball season. That's that's where it's best on display. I think everyone would agree. But man, it I just. Yes like if a defensive end or a nice linebacker does a nice scream and flex after a sack. I remember in the uh in the Texas game when Stutzman got his sack, he did a scream and flex after that. <laughs> Lost my mind, man. Lost my mind.
0: Yeah, you mirrored the scream and flex up in the stands there at the Cotton. Oh, Bowl. absolutely.
2: There was there was yeah. so much screaming and flexing going on uh in the fourth quarter of that game.
0: Also, uh, those that um aren't as into football or basketball and maybe into more uh, second tier sports or third tier or heck fourth or fifth tier sports in America would probably also say that soccer is a great scream and flex sport because you get that goal in soccer and you know you're only you're wearing a you know you're wearing a t-shirt a a, a kit you know a, a, a jersey so you can really and they they take it off and you can really see them flexing those muscles and screaming uh, at the top of their lungs so i think soccer is a pretty good scream and flex sport as well uh, and that will conclude our soccer coverage here on West of Everest. Thank Especially
2: you. Especially when they when they take that shirt off only.
0: Def- you had well, to yeah, you just, that's you how had you to fit see all the there. muscles. Well, yeah, that's how you can see most of the muscles. I don't know why more people don't do that.
2: Uh, it's the screaming flex. Of course. Part of so it is you can see the muscles. So you can see the muscles. Yes. Yes. Yes, all of the muscles. All of the muscles. <laughs> uh,
0: all right, so... Big news! Last time we were here, we were still trying to figure out Oklahoma's next head coach, and yeah, you, know, you and I we were discussing all the potential candidates on the last episode, and we started off with Brent Venables because it just it was the one that was getting the most traction and the one that probably made the most sense. And here we are, about a week later, and it is Brent Venables here on the podcast. And um, yeah, uh, I said in my opening take that after looking into it and thinking on it and considering all of the rumored potential options or you know real or fake however much that uh who knows uh i i I do think that brent venables and then especially with the addition of jeff levy as the offensive coordinator i think that's the best option that oklahoma could have gone with given what we knew and and what we kind of thought was possible out there grant uh we talked about it a little bit last episode hey maybe you know if, if matt rule's interested maybe a matt rule joe brady connection would also be great maybe that's even better but I think even on that episode I was kind of thinking maybe Venables plus at the time I said the offensive coordinator you know him hitting the offensive coordinator correctly which I think Jeff Lebby is that guy that Venables plus Lebby or plus a really good offensive coordinator might be better than even uh, a Matt Rule Joe Brady just because of the Oklahoma connection and uh, I don't know I mean there's, there's definitely pros and cons to both of them but I stop and say, what do you think? Do you think that now that we know it's Venables, now that we know it's Levy, do you think given all the different rumors and scenarios and options Oklahoma may have had at head coach, is this the one that you think is the best or do you think that Oklahoma could have done better?
2: I mean, of all kind of like the reported realistic options, yeah, I mean, I think this is, this is probably the best one. Probably. Um, I think just in terms of you're kind of getting the best of both worlds. We know Brent Venables can recruit which obviously is going to be important going to the SEC. It's going to be important trying to corral this class and the next class as well. The first SEC class, hopefully. Um, And I'm, I'm not sure if that's something you would have gotten with, with someone like Matt rule, maybe a a Joe Brady along there would have helped with on on the offensive side of things. Um, And then I think, you know, probably the other one was, was Dave Aranda and, and I, you know, I, I'm not sure about his, his reputation yet in, in terms of recruiting. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have any complaints. I think um, if you would have told me uh, the the day that that Riley officially left for USC, that a week later it was going to be Venables with with Jeff Lebby as his OC, I would have thought to myself, "Hey, I mean, I, I think that's about as good as they realistically can do at this point in time." Um, and I I think we're probably going to get into this because I know this this talking point, this narrative, has kind of gone around the fan base, which I mean, I think is normal. It's uh, of course it is. I mean, we've you know, as a program, they've gone through a lot of really quick change here in the last couple of weeks, but people talking about how, you know, they've, they've upgraded and the coaching staff is better than it is, you know, than it was 10 days ago. I'm not, I'm not quite ready to go that far yet just because we just, we have no idea. We, we're we not sure Um, for all of kind of the bad feelings and and now kind of more of the, sort of the rumblings that have come out of the program since Riley left that maybe things weren't as smooth and weren't, you know, going as great behind the scenes as maybe as, as the face that they put on. Um, yeah, it, it's possible that this is exactly what OU needed uh, to get their culture right, to get back to where they were. But, man, that the 55-10 and 10 record is just still really just staring you right at the face. Um, and that's not something that I, you know, that's something I want to appreciate. That's not something that I just want to dismiss offhand. Cause that's hard. That that stuff is really hard. Um, and so they were they were clearly doing something right. So um, having that been said, it's it's very possible that you know the only thing that Riley was was ever meant to do was was to get us through that that period of of Stoops moving on and and maybe this is exactly what OU needs. Um, and we're going to get into it. And I think you know there's there's been some moves made so far that I think we can agree on and we can disagree on. Um, but I, you know, I, I haven't seen anything yet so far that has made me be like, okay. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a total disaster. There's been, there's been one move in particular that I'm not super crazy about. Um, but that's also one that I think is more of just in terms is it's it's more of just kind of an emotion feeling thing on my end. Um, and then when I actually kind of, you know, check the facts and look into it more, I'm I'm more okay with it. We'll get into that. Uh, but one thing that I'm, I, I am really happy about, Uh, Just you know, from an X's and O standpoint, from a getting better at football standpoint, I do really like the Jeff Lebby hire a lot. Um, And one of the smartest things I think Brent Venables could have done when he first came in here was it's it's looking like that he's not really going to mess with the offense at all. He's bringing in Jeff Lebby. Everyone else is is it's the same. I mean, it's it's basically just. Lincoln Riley and Dennis Simmons aren't there anymore, and that's that's it. But everyone else is still there, and I think that continuity is important, uh, especially Kale Gundy and Bill Beedensbo. Uh, I, I think that's a huge deal. Those are guys that have both coached under you know multiple head coaches, uh, have have worked under a bunch of different systems, and really have have put up top offenses in college football in a lot of different ways. So um, that that's that, that's one really great thing so far from Venables is that. He's not going to mess with the offense. He's, it, it, it appears, and this is something that he's gotten from Stoops, uh, it appears that he understands that OU needs to score a lot of points and be explosive doing it. All right, so I want to pitch to
0: you why I think, uh, based on what I was saying in my opening take, I want to pitch to you why I do think Oklahoma is in a better position today than they were 10 days ago when Riley was here and, and I have some bullet points that I want to pitch to you and, and get your thoughts on because it sounds like you're not ready to go there just yet, which is completely reasonable and you're not jumping in front of everything. You're not putting the, the car in front of the horse or whatever the heck the saying is, which well, right, I mean, normally
2: I was
0: going to say th- at th- this say point, point, right? It's just,
2: it's just hot takes, isn't it? Cause we don't know. And nobody knows. It's just a, it's just a prediction. I don't know if
0: they're hot takes. I think they are depending on what you what you see and who you talk to, and what uh, evidence you bring, there may be not, maybe it's just more uh, educated guesses or educated opinions as opposed to a hot take. But I do want to sell you on it and let you, uh, you know, comment. But before we do that, though, I do want to play sound from Brent Venables' first news conference because a big question mark surrounding Brent Venables, we talked about it a lot last week. My big kind of con. Of Riley leaving and Brent, you know, a person like Brent Venables coming in, if it was going to be Brent Venables, which we, do, we know now that it is him, is the unknown. Can, can this guy be a head coach? He's never done it before. Why is that? That's bizarre, right? He's been coaching for 27 years, something like that, as an assistant coach, mostly as a full-time solo defensive coordinator. Uh, some parts early on at Oklahoma obviously with Mike Stoops he was the co-DC then his first year at Clemson he was also the co-DC but for nine years the last nine seasons he's been the solo defensive coordinator and for his entire career he's just been an assistant coach and he's been a defensive coordinator and so now finally he's a head coach and the thing is okay like he said in his press conference that hey the big reason I mean it's Oklahoma I mean this was kind of the job that would get him to be a head coach, and it's here, and he took it, and he was super excited about it, and is super excited about it, and so I took uh, some sound from, uh, I believe it was Cliff Brunt from the AP asked, hey, why, why now? You know, why now? He, Cliff said, hey, take Oklahoma off the table. Why now? Do you want to be a head coach? And Brent, or coach Venable, Brent Venable said, really, I can't take Oklahoma off the table because that's pretty much the, the reason. I mean, that's that's why I'm going to do this, and so. I took part of his answer, and so I, I think this is kind of interesting. It kind of get, gives you an idea of his background and why now Brent Venables has decided to be the he- a head coach as opposed to a defensive coordinator.
1: I feel like i've you know I've had twenty seven plus years of interview and preparation. i'm I've been exposed to uh, three college football Hall of Fame coaches. Coach Sweeney will be next, and um, what they've been able to pour into me. I've I've always been a sponge, you know, I'm taking it all in. So uh, I've led uh, my group, my position group, I've led defenses. I've been in front of the team plenty. Uh, It's something that's um, easy for me, something I love to do. I'm just passionate about people and um, I'm passionate, I am passionate about winning. I'm passionate about winning the right way and uh, never compromising, you know, those um, values. And so just like uh, the players will tell you, um, it doesn't have to change. It doesn't need to change. It won't change when you become the head coach. And so uh, it's a calling being a, a coach. And um, as I said earlier, um, to some degree, you know, coaching for me is, is yeah, I get you get paid, you get compensated well, uh, you're in the spotlight. You know, a lot of people are using that scoreboard in that stadium as how they're going to judge you. You know, it's you're in a performance baseball profession and it's important that you're successful but for me my scoreboard isn't in that stadium it's a, it's it's the lives that i impact it's the hearts that i reach uh, uh it's the relationships that that, that last a lifetime uh, there's nothing that will trump that and um and as a head coach um that's what i want our program to be about
0: all right so i know that's kind of a long soundbite but i i do want to touch on the the first part is probably the most important He's been around now three, he said three Hall of Fame coaches, two of them officially. Dabo Sweeney's going to be a Hall of Fame coach. He's going to go in there. And he said he's been a sponge. He's soaked it all up. And I said in my opening take that I don't know, Again, I'm, I'm not a football historian, but man, I, I can't, I'd be shocked if there's another first time head coach that has as much experience and high-level experience that a Dabo Sweeney, uh, I'm sorry, as a Brent Venables has. <laughs> Dabo Sweeney obviously being his former boss. Uh, as a first-time head coach with those kind of credentials, that's got to be super rare. Because usually whenever you're that good of a head coach, or I'm sorry, I'm, I'm off, I'm off, I, I can't think. When you're that good of a defensive coordinator, after, heck, five years, after ten years, you're getting a head coaching job because somebody's going to hire you. You want to take that jump. But for whatever reason, Brent Venables decided that he didn't want to do that until now. And so that's super important. But I will say the, the end of it with kind of his coach speak about, uh, you know, the scoreboard doesn't really matter. It's about uh, how I affect people off the field, blah, blah. Yeah, we get it. Okay. We get it. Yeah. It's all about relationships. something like that. Yeah. But, but, you know, winning is more winning is important. <laughs> so do all that fun stuff, but you got to win. Gotta win. I get it. <laughs> so what do you think?
2: No, I mean it's um I, I think my biggest takeaway sort of from earlier this week with the press conferences and stuff like that is where as OU fans, you kinda get an up close and personal kind of front row seat to to Brent Venables' personality really for the first time. Um and maybe that's something that he 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 was maybe out and about when he was at OU and yeah, you know, maybe I don't really remember that. I was a little bit younger. Um Kind of near the end of his tenure, I don't remember him being, you know, speaking to the media like a ton or being so. Um, I think right, you you always kind of think of Brent Venables as that as that psycho that's on the sideline, the guy who's like super intense and is is coaching really hard. Um, but yeah, but the the thing that's that, that that has come out to me these last few days, you, you look out, you can just tell how genuine of a person he is. And I I mean this stuff is cliched. it's a stereotype. I, I get it. You know, he's he, he's winning the press conference, showing you how great of a guy he is. Um, but I, I I do think that's important. I think that's super important. I think that was it's probably wise um, for OU to highlight that, especially considering what just happened with the last guy, um, where I think a lot of people are, you know, OU fans are, are hurt. I mean, like I said, it's like a breakup. There's OU fans that probably feel insecure about it. That probably feel like they got like me. They got duped for the last five seasons uh, by the guy, and so you yeah, know, it's 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 nice to see someone. Who, who, who you know, you know is really skilled at walking that line, Walking the line between, you know, being able to motivate people, uh, get in your face, being able to, to, to even coach and be intense. but also at the same time, keep it to the point where there is that line that's drawn there between trying to get the best out of you and also caring about you as a human being. And that actually that's a line that's that not a lot of people are able to straddle it really isn't that's that's one of those things that i think is um is is super rare for a coach and i think it's it's i i think that's a quality that's in all of the best head coaches none of that none of that means that Brent venables is gonna be a great head coach it doesn't um it is nice to know though that all of the best head coaches kind of do have that quality um and hey, you know i him going over talking about how he's how he's coached under three different hall of famers that's something I never even really thought of um, and that that's that's extremely valuable and I mean I mean those three guys could not be any more different any more different personalities the way that they run their team I'm sure I'm sure in a lot of ways Bob Stoops early on ran his program a lot like Bill Snyder did um but Dabo is is not anything like either of those guys or at least not you know from anything that I've seen so I that's that's invaluable experience, um, and so yeah, you bringing up the fact that yeah, I mean, off the top of your head, you can't really think of anyone who is more qualified, like ever. Through, I yeah, he's been I mean, he's been a defensive coordinator now for over for nearly twenty seasons in college football, and it's not a stretch to say that in fifteen of those seasons, I mean, he's had one of the best defenses in college football with two different programs, and they they were never bad at OU under Venables not once they they were good every year he was the DC um, and, and that's that's not the case at Clemson there they had some transition years early on but the last like seven or eight years they've been perennial top 10 top five defense in college football tons of NFL draft picks the pedigree's there the pedigree is there it's just all about I think the big question mark right is we don't know how he's going to be as a head coach because it is different it's obviously different um Obviously, you take the experience, and that's valuable, but man, I I think once you're in the head chair, I think a lot of things do change, and we just have no idea how he's going to react to that or how he's going to handle that.
0: We don't, and I was just kind of thinking as you were talking, I mean, when we talk about the experience that Venables has as a first-time head coach, and it might be unparalleled. Again, I'm not a football historian. Maybe someone listening to this podcast can point out a different situation where you have an assistant coach for this many years that has performed at this high of a level that finally decides to be head coach. And I'm just not you know, aware of it. But when you consider all of that and you think back to how excited we were when Lincoln Riley took over for Bob Stoops and a big part of it for me was just, it's different. It's new. It kind of felt like we had reached kind of the ceiling of Bob Stoops at the end and maybe some new blood, a new person with a different vision, a new vision with you know, that kind of offensive mentality and, and everything, you know, maybe that's going to be the key to get Oklahoma over the top. And so Lincoln Riley comes in and does a fantastic job. You mentioned the 55-10 and 10 record. Fantastic. He's one of the top coaches in college football, no doubt about it. But as we talked about a little bit last week, you could make the argument that every single season the team you know, minimally regressed. And I think we made the argument or you made the argument that you could say Lincoln Riley left the program maybe not quite in a better spot than when he founded it, when he got it. And so I guess in my mind, I think, okay, Lincoln Riley had a lot of success at Oklahoma as the head coach. We were really excited about that with not anywhere near as much previous experience as a coach as a Brent Venables. And so in my mind, I think, man, if if all that success can be had with Lincoln Riley as a top-tier elite offensive mind, offensive coordinator, then going into being a head coach and calling the plays and having all this responsibility, that gives me a lot of confidence, actually, that Brent Venables, with his background and his, uh, his success and I mean his, his national championship pedigree and coming in, and he's going to hire a defensive coordinator, which is interesting. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Don't know who that's going to be. And then bringing in a Jeff Lebby, who's got a really good track record so far early in his career, calling offense. That makes me really confident that I think Brent Venables is probably going to be a pretty darn good head coach. If Lincoln Riley could come in and do that and have that kind of success with his history, his background, uh, his experience level, not being anywhere near as, as far as Brent Venables, who's, I, I, I just, it gives me confidence that Brent Venables can probably do a pretty good job too. Now, like you said, it's not guaranteed. We don't know for sure, but I just wanted to throw that out there. It's like, well, considering that Riley didn't have as much experience as Brent Venables, Brent Venables has had all the success coming in. He's got a great offensive coordinator coming in. We believe he's set up to to do pretty well.
2: I think I think that may be a bit of an apples, you know, apples to oranges comparison, though. When you're talking about Lincoln Riley taking over, talking about a guy who was announced as the head coach an hour after it was announced that Bob Stoops was, you know, was to, actually I think he was announced in the same press release. That OU release when Bob Stoops stepped down as the head coach. Yeah, there was no staff changeover, no turnover whatsoever. He had the exact same staff, Um, and so this is different. I mean, you got we got now where it's looking like the entire defensive staff is going to be reshuffled, and look like any of them are coming back. Um, Who knows what's going to happen with turnover on the roster? That's something we just we're just not sure of yet. So I think these are totally different circumstances. I think the the circumstance that Lincoln Riley came into in a lot of ways was really similar to uh, to what Chip Kelly left Mark Helfrich when he left Oregon um, probably you know probably a little bit more depth of, of talent at OU than there was at Oregon um, but it was I mean it was it was ready to go I mean like it's there was a lot of people that could have stepped into that 2017 job with Baker Mayfield and, and have been pretty successful um, it just kind of it just just so happened at that time that Lincoln Riley was was kind of the up and comer and it was he I mean he everything was teed up for him I don't think that's really the case here with venables I, I think there's a lot more um and so like when I say when I say that Riley left the program in in, in worse and worse shape that's kind of what I mean where there is gonna have to be a reshuffle here there is uh, there is some some recruiting stuff that you're going to have to restock, and that you're going to have to because guys left. I don't remember that being a problem when Stoops left. I I, I remember them retaining all of their recruiting classes. Um, no, I remember nobody really leaving at all. Um, and of course, it's because there was no staff turnover, it was all pretty much exactly the same. I think by that time, Bob had been kind of a figurehead anyway, and so where well, that's that's not the case. Like Venables comes into a program now that has. I think has more raw talent probably than than that 2017 team did, um, when when Riley stepped in up and down the roster. Maybe not as much talent in at, at at super important positions. Um, but he's also inheriting a program that that clearly needs some sort of culture reset. Uh, we've been saying needs a strength and conditioning reset as well. And so, and, and I think that presents some challenges. Um, I think you know if. If, any, if if it's if it's true that it's been sort of a you know sort of a country club atmosphere there and maybe things haven't been as haven't been as geared towards creating the most gritty, tough team you can, Jerry Schmidt comes in there and Brent Venables comes in there kinda of with his old Bob Stoop style, that there's definitely a a, a potential there for, for kind of for some stuff hitting the fan, for sure. Uh, that's a lot of radical change in a short amount of time. And you hope that, that things will be seamless. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to sit here and assume that. I think when you're doing that, you're acting on a lot of faith. That's fair.
0: And I talk about the culture change, and how it's kind of you know, what a lot of people want and is hoping for with a Brent Venable's hire. That leads me into what I want to do. So I want to pitch to you why I do think Oklahoma is not a better spot today than they were uh, you know, the day Lincoln Riley you know, left the program and I'm starting with uh, the culture and I listened to last week's episode and I've been talking about this a lot. I'm putting a lot of stock into it and, and this is why I'm starting with this is my number one reason because I do think it matters a heck of a lot and maybe I'm over analyzing it. Maybe it doesn't matter as much as I'm you know, saying it does, but I think it does. And so I think that the culture and the identity of the program under Lincoln Riley was not where it needs to be. Uh, I I think in that respect the Sooners regressed year to year after Bob Stoops handed the keys off to Lincoln Riley. Oklahoma's players, I said this before, they just, I just, I felt like generally the players had an unearned sense of entitlement surrounding them, particularly this past season in 2021. And it was obvious to all of us that during that time they weren't playing as well as they, they should have. They had tons of expectations and they weren't living up to it. And I think it started from the top and went down. I mean, it started with Lincoln Riley and went down. And the first big piece of evidence of this was when we heard Spencer Rattler kind of pushing back at the early criticism he was getting from the fan base. And he had some comments where he was basically saying, hey, fans don't really know what they're talking about. And just talking about basic things that anybody that knows a little bit about football understands. And he would make comments about how like now that people don't really know what they're talking about. They don't know the game as much as he does. And generally, that's probably true uh, because a general fan's not going to know as much about football as Spencer Rattler, obviously. But just the, some things he pointed out were kind of just... I remember you, Grant, mentioning some certain things like, oh, they're playing <laughs> top-down defense on us, so it's, 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 more, it's difficult for me to find guys. And it's like, oh, that's not a new thing. Uh, defenses have been playing top-down. Uh, don't beat me over the top coverages all the time and tried against baker mayfield and kyler murray and did not have as much success (laughs) so it's not like uh it was like radical things that people had never seen and so those comments and then you heard lincoln riley over and over again all season long telling us that his team was quote close and it's become a joke at this point it's become a cliche we've all laughed about it uh again the most egregious example of him saying that the team was close was after the kansas game when he said he watched back the film and he said, gosh, I thought, I thought that team is close. And I talked about that extensively last week. So if that was the message that Riley was giving to the fans and the public, I don't know why he wouldn't be giving that message to his players. And the players clearly thought that they were close as well, even though the scoreboard never really seemed to back up that claim and never did. Oklahoma seemed unprepared at the start of multiple games in 2021. The Texas game, a glaring example, maybe the most glaring example. Uh, The Kansas game, no points scored in the first half against Kansas. Uh, Offensively, Baylor was a disaster at the start, and and then for much of that game. Uh, and, And all of that, I believe, begins with the head coach. And his attitude towards the 2021 season in particular may have kind of seeped down to the rest of the team, And as a result, we got a football team with national championship aspirations during the preseason and a team that underachieved big time against one of the most manageable schedules the Sooners have had in years. So then I transitioned. So with Brent Venables, I think the attitude and the identity and the culture of Oklahoma football will change for the better. He was around a winning culture at Oklahoma from 99 to 2011, and he's been around an even better winning culture at Clemson for the past 10 years. Venables is going to make this team tough. Uh, they're, they're not going to take things for granted, I don't believe. They will not be conditioned to just show up and think they can win games. Uh, this is my opinion based off of Venable's track record. So I think from a philosophical perspective, this is why Oklahoma is in a better spot right now compared to 10 days ago. And I have a multiple other points I want to hit on, but since this is going to take a long time for me to go through them all at once, I'll stop right now and, and let you respond to anything that
2: I said there. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree that there was rot in the culture i you know i guess i just i i don't um they were still 55 and 10 uh but yeah i mean and and of course you qualify that with (laughs) them struggling with middling big 12 teams you know in and kind of all the time let's be real all the time they they very rarely beat the crap out of big 12 teams under lincoln riley um one thing I did see that I thought was interesting—that it's just an interesting way of framing everything—was that you know, 2017, OU went from legit national title contender, um, probably a few plays away, you know, from maybe winning a national title or at least having a, a really good opportunity to do so, to 2018, a team that was I was otherworldly offensively, uh, but really was just a playoff team, a Big 12 champion playoff team that got blown out. Um, got blown out, but played you know, played well in the second half for the most part. But by that time, they'd already been kind of blown out. Um, to 2019, which was a Big 12 champion that got just completely run off the field in the playoff, uh, wasn't even really competitive at all. To a 2020 team that was out of the playoff hunt within the first three games of the season, um, still won the Big 12, but did it in a weird COVID season. And then you go to 2021, they don't even win the Big 12. They, I mean, they just regress, and they, they look bad. I mean, it's – and they, they, they look like OU's worst team since 2014 at least. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a legit case to be made. A legit case to be made that it's – some of Lincoln Riley is and mirrors. And I think that's kind of what we're all hoping, right? <laughs> I think that's what we're hoping. Yeah,
0: yeah pretty much, pretty much. But okay, then I so, think to
2: myself, what are the other implications? If he is, if, if a lot of his thing is smoke and mirrors, man, what are the implications like how far like how far away are they from being close then? Cause I mean they because I, I know that they still have more talent, more athleticism than everyone else in the Big Twelve. And I mean you would think that you'd be able to just you'd still be able to just kind of put away the Big Twelve even with that stuff. They weren't able to. It makes me think just like, God, actually, how bad is just the Big Twelve? Or maybe the Big Twelve is, be- is is better than we think, and they're, I-, I mean, I don't know. It's 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 hard to tell because
0: they. That's college football for you. You can't really tell except for the SEC a lot of the times because teams don't play each other and they play each other maybe once in the early season. Then you get bowl season, but you can't really. I mean, yeah, we use bowl games as measuring sticks sometimes, but a lot of the times it's hard because some guys opt out. It's just different. There's all this time off between the games. I think last year the Big 12 did pretty well in bowl season, I, I believe, and maybe when even the year before, like so I mean but like what does that mean? You know, like I mean it's it's one of those things where if it goes well for your conference, you're going to prop it up. And if it doesn't go well for your conference, I'll be like, "Yeah, whatever, it doesn't matter that much. It, all these games are different. It doesn't matter." So, it's yeah, it sure the Big 12 could be really down this year. Maybe it is, probably is, I don't know, but you know, maybe it's not. Maybe uh, but okay, so that was the the first thing. So the identity, the culture that that was one of the, the the things I wanted to touch on. Where I think that that's going to be better. Number two, and also
2: can oh. I can I just oh. touch on one yeah. other thing too? I I think, you know, I, I obviously there's going to be some guys I think that are currently on the roster that were recruited by Lincoln Riley who are probably really going to thrive under Brent Venables and are probably going to turn into totally different players. That's probably going to happen. It probably is. But you know, for each for each action for each action, right? There's an opposite an equal reaction there's going to be guys who just who can't cut it there's going to be guys who are recruited specifically for the culture that lincoln riley built who just aren't going to be able to cut it and and brent venables culture um and we don't know what that's going to look like we don't know what sort of bloodletting there's going to be after that and so you just kind of keep your fingers crossed and you hope it's not the guys who are uber talented so i mean it's just i, I mean that's i when i think of that i think of guys like clayton smith who are let's Jack Linebacker is not a position in Brent Venables' defense. And so he's a guy who is pro- – like Clayton Smith is a guy who is going to have to undergo some sort of transformation, whether that be a position or a body transformation. Who knows if that's going to happen? And if he goes, that's, a, that's, that's an extra scholarship that you, have to, that you have to fill. And then what happens if that happens up and down the roster? We just don't know yet. We, just, we have no clue. Yeah. Yeah, but you, you kind of get excited,
0: though, because you, you would think Brent Venables probably aware of a guy like Clayton Smith Uh, you know I'm sure he heard about him during the recruiting process he'll look back at old tape and he'll I mean I don't know he's not gonna be able to talk to any of the defensive guys or really on on staff for Oklahoma but you know he's such a talented player you would hope that a guy like Brent Venables would be able to find a spot for him but yeah no you're right it's unknown like we he wasn't recruited for Clemson. He wasn't recruited for that type of defense. He was recruited for Speed D with Grinch, and weirdly, he wasn't able to find any time on the field this year. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just because he couldn't develop or what. So, yeah, that's definitely a good name. That's a, a name of a guy where I'm curious to see what happens to him because he's super talented. Hey, you said position change. Maybe he'll play offense. Maybe they'll put him a
2: wide receiver because he did that. It seems like he did that in high school, <laughs> just mossing people. I mean, I think it's a good – It's. I think it's definitely a good sign up to this point that outside of the guys who I think have announced that they're going to the NFL draft, there haven't been any guys in the portal on defense. I think that's a good sign, especially when I don't think that I don't think there's a defensive staff that is there right now. So like, it's the fact that none of them have really left, I I think is, it's gotta be a good thing. But then I, but then again, who knows, who knows? Well, speaking of the
0: defense, that's my second point. And this is kind of obvious, but I'll just I'll say it out loud just so we're all on the same page. Oklahoma's defense is going to be better. It is. And, and finally, I mean, how could it not be? I mean, Venables might be the best defensive coordinator in the country. I mean, his, his track record speaks for itself. I said earlier he, he's been the solo D.C. at Clemson for nine years. His first year he was the co-D.C. And in the nine years as the solo defensive coordinator, Clemson's defense was in the top ten in the nation seven out of nine times. Oklahoma's defense has not been in the top 10 since Venables left after the 2011 season. In fact, the last time Oklahoma had a top 10 defense was 2009. And oh man, that defense was really darn good and had basically no help on offense. No help on offense you would expect with a Jeff Lebby here and the talent Oklahoma hopefully has on offense. That's not going to be the case. So from a defensive standpoint, Venables is an upgrade over Alex Grinch, especially when you consider that Oklahoma is going to the SEC soon. And I feel a lot more comfortable with Brent Venables, by the way. He said, he said that in his opening presser at the pep rally. He said, hey, you've got your guy for the SEC transition. And that got a lot of cheers from the fans that were in attendance. Uh, Brent Venables is a player, a player, a coach who's open to coaching week to week, tweaking his game plan based off of opponent. And Alex Grinch did not do that. He did the same thing over and over again, no matter who the defense was playing. And I'm excited to get Brent Venables back now, especially now that I'm older. And I, I'm more aware and understanding of the X's and O's of football compared to the last time Brent Venables was around. That was, you know, I was younger. I wasn't watching as closely. So didn't understand the game as, clo- you know, as, as much as I do now. And so I'm super excited to see an Oklahoma defense with a guy who week-to-week will game plan to try to take away what the opposing offense does best. And I just, again, Alex Grinch, for three seasons, we saw it. It was the same thing. He, he did what he did. And that's not Brent Venables. So I'm excited for that. So, Grant, number two is that with Brent Venables here, I know he's not going to be the defensive coordinator. He's going to hire somebody to do that, but it's going to be his vision, obviously. I think the Oklahoma defense is going to be better, and that's another reason why I think that the program is in a better spot now than it was uh, before Riley left. Thoughts?
2: Yeah, one of my favorite parts of his introductory, pes- or introductory press conference was when he, had, he paid lip service to it. He said that he's, he's passionate about tweaking and game planning from week to week. I mean, he, I, straight from the horse's mouth, he said it. Um and I love that because that I mean that was absolutely one of the most frustrating things of of Alex Grinch and and I think I I, and we we talked about it last week when we recorded I I do think we should kind of always qualify stuff when we're talking about Alex Grinch because he when he did take over OU defense it was I mean it was the worst OU defense ever ever um and and in one year and one off season he got OU playing playing pretty decent defense. Um, and then by the end of year two, they were playing really good defense.
0: They were a top top twenty five unit, I think. I think yeah, they finished yeah, and last they were, year. Like, uh, I believe they yeah. were
2: they were top fifteen and SP plus at the end of last season on defense. I mean, that's yeah. You know, you, you pair that with any of the seventeen and eighteen teams, you, you're you're talking about a national championship in Norman. I unequivocally, you're talking about that. Um, and so that's why this past season was so was so uh, was so disappointing where it seemed like kind of the only tweak that Alex Grinch ever made this season from last year to this year was that they just subbed more. And it, it was never clear as to why they were doing that. <laughs> and so...
0: Well, at, at the start, it was we, we thought the why would, was because they had so many talented players and they got to get them on the field <laughs> you know, and keep them fresh. But then you'll watch the entirety of the 12-game regular season and you realize, eh, I mean, yeah, there's, there's some good talent on the defensive line still. They un- underperformed, ultimately. But aside from that unit, the talent was not very deep at all at the linebacking core and in the secondary. And so that's kind of like going into the season. That's what we thought. It's like, man, this team is so talented, they're going to sub so much because they have so many good players that's got to play. No, not, not necessarily the case. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad that you brought that up about Grinch. You're right. you got to qualify it. I like Alex Grinch. He's a good defensive coordinator. He definitely saved Oklahoma's defense. He did. I mean, it was horrible. Uh, he got it. He got it better. He does have limitations, though, and I'm not a big fan of his scheme. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I, he's not somebody that we saw in three years that was willing to change or tweak or really adjust anything. Will he, will he do that going forward at USC in his career? I don't know. I, I mean, coaches kind of do what they do. Lincoln Riley didn't really show any ability to really tweak and adjust his offense, and especially in game. That's not,
2: yeah. I was say in game. I was gonna say that's not necessarily well, true. They in 2019, latter half, they Hertz, totally, totally changed their identity.
0: Yep, and I was gonna, actually, I was gonna talk about that here coming up. About that's like the one exception is he certainly he he retooled Oklahoma's offense to to play to the strengths
2: of Jalen Hurts, and that
0: was that was that was great. They changed their, hey,
2: they, they changed their identity at the end of last season, too. They went from, I, like, I, I don't think it's, um, you know, I, the further and further away we get from it, I think it's pretty clear that Ramondre was the key to their offense last season. I, I think that is just so blindingly obvious, at, the further away we get from that season. Um, it, they totally, it, it was, once Ramondre came back last season, it was a Ramondre offense. It, it told, Everything went through him. Um, and I don't think it was it's it's just not a coincidence. And then it's the kind of the the picture is just sort of snapping into place a little clearer is all. Ronnie Perkins comes back in the second half of twenty twenty, Trey Norwood gets more healthy, becomes more integrated into the defense, and they take off. I don't think any of that is a at this point is is a coincidence. They you know, that's the guys that made them super successful at the end of twenty twenty that made them definitely look like one of the four or five best teams in college football at the end of last season. Uh, honestly, just didn't play for OU this year.
0: Yeah, and it's funny you bring up Perkins and Norwood be becoming, you know, having bigger roles late in the year. Uh, and obviously, like DJ Graham and Woody Washington kind of started coming on at the end of the year, and that's when the defense was playing really well. What do we see this season, weirdly, like where two or three guys being out turned Oklahoma's defense into one of the worst defenses in Power Five football? And then when they came back on the field, Jalen Redmond, Delarian Turner and Woody Washington, the defense played pretty well. And that's not, I mean, I get that you're only as strong as your, your best players or whatever, or maybe your weakest, whatever the heck the saying is, I get that. But man, I'm telling you, you can't, a defense can't go from in the trash bin because one or two or three guys are out and then they're back and be that good. I just, that's, I don't like that. That's ridiculous. You have to have
2: better depth than that. Uh, it, so uh, I, and, and the I think the, that, uh, the the most yeah. disappointing thing about that that too is, is I I think they got guys who are capable on in, in the program right now who who, who I, yeah, could have played I do too. better. Like guys, you know, I, I, that's that one of the things that I can definitively say that I'm excited for next season and we don't even know who who a, who a defensive back coach is going to be at all or or safeties or corners or anything yet. I think guys like Billy Bowman and Keyshawn Lawrence have have an opportunity to be to be absurdly good next season after an offseason work with venables and his staff guys like that that's the stuff that i'm gonna watch i i want to see Mm -hmm. a jump from those guys where hey i'm not i'm not necessarily sure key lawrence and billy bowman were that well coached or even put in great positions to succeed by the scheme and by the coaches um i don't i don't know if that's going to be an issue with with brent venables and his staff like i mean we've I, i i thought we saw enough especially from those two guys athletically to see, just like yeah, th- those guys are on a kind of a different tier athletically than everyone else around them, um, and that that's more of just a stream of consciousness thing. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just there was well, sure. how many just how how many disappointments were there in terms of player development under the last regime? Um, there's a lot. I mean, there's a ton. There's a ton. You can go down I mean, up and down the offensive line, receivers, <laughs> running backs heck, have th- barely even existed on the team.
0: Maybe that could be the the. You know, the- an assignment for next podcast. We go through all the the recent recruiting classes going back to like 2016, 2017, and be really mean and point out all the busts and all the disappointments and just be jerks about it. Uh and you mentioned um Billy Bowman and uh Key Lawrence, another couple of names that I'd like to see with a new regime. Hopefully they stick around. A Latroba who who is a blue chipper type recruit, everyone's excited about, and even a Joshua Eaton, who's got that size that I know Alex Grinch like that size, but so does Brent Venables. <laughs> Clemson has some big, big defensive backs, some big corners, Ooh, big How safety, about um, So yeah. Jordan
2: Mukes, Jordan Mukes, a guy who I think has the frame to probably put on twenty five pounds and still move really well. Hey, I, I saw a um, saw a picture on Twitter going around. It was it was Venables uh, with um, oh, who is he with? I, I think he was probably with Bob or Cale Gundy. I can't remember. Uh, visiting Jaden Rowe. Who is a? I think he's from. I think he's Tulsa Union, and uh, he's he's in this twenty two class. And I think he affirmed his commitment to OU after speaking with with Venables and everything. But you should you should actually look him up. Try to find that picture. Just look how big Jaden Rowe is. He's uh. I think right now he's like he's listed at like six three two o five, and he's he's a safety. He's he's gonna he was been recruited as a safety. I look at Jaden Rowe and I was like, oh god, that guy looks. Looks ready to be in college right now, and man, that body type is really similar to like an, an Isaiah Simmons or a something. And that's mm. I think that that's the type of stuff that I'm going to be looking for because one thing that we know about the Brent Venables defense, Sam linebacker is really really important, and he kind of uses his Sam linebacker as as a glorified nickel in a lot of ways, um, which is why Isaiah Simmons was so insanely lethal at that position, uh, just because he. He could cover like a safety and he was physical and could tackle like a linebacker as well and obviously moved really well. Um, But those are the guys that that Venables is going to be looking for. Those are the guys like the body types that he's going to be looking for. And guys like that are kind of unicorns. It's hard to you kind of have to find guys like that with the body type and then develop them. And uh, that's 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 the first time now under this new regime that's that's two days old. Where I've seen I I saw I saw Jaden Rowe and I was just like, oh God, like that guy is hopefully he's good at football, and hopefully that there's something natural that can be <laughs> brought out in that guy. Because oh man, that's like that's the exact body type that Brent Venables is looking for in his in, in his back seven on defense. Yeah, so looking him up, he's a
0: rivals three star, but his frame, man, it, listen at 6'3, 210. I see the pictures it, you're talking about. Isaiah Simmons yeah. was
2: not a blue chip recruit. I believe he was a no, three star well. recruit as well. Jaden Rowe of, uh, is Isaiah o- Simmons confirmed.
0: Yeah, out of what uh, one of those cities in Kansas? I can't remember if it was
2: Olathe or if it was it Overland Olathe? Park or or Olathe. However how you pronounce how that? I, it, I, I I'm pretty sure he's from I, Olathe or how? Yeah, I'm sure we'll get. Yeah, it. I think that's
0: however you pronounce that. It's not uh, not Wichita. How about that? Uh, okay. By the way, I did want to play some more sound from Brent Venables. Because you talked about how, like, straight from the horse's mouth, he talked about how he likes to go, you know, opponent to opponent. He likes to game plan and tweak. And actually, he was asked by James Hale about his philosophy on offense and his philosophy on defense. And I, we, we know his defensive thoughts. We get it. What's interesting, though, is that I pulled this soundbite of him talking about offense. And he's obviously a defensive guy, but he, he – uh well, listen to this uh, clip, and he certainly knows quite a bit about offense, and why wouldn't he? He's spent his entire career going against offense and trying to figure out how to stop it, so you would imagine that he knows quite a bit about it. And so I like this soundbite of him talking about his offensive philosophy and what he wants to bring to Oklahoma.
1: You just watch how uh, offenses work today, uh, you know, with obviously a fast pace. Most everybody's no huddle or the sugar huddle. Uh, Uh, Just being aggressive, you know, aggressive and physical and everything. Just because you spread out doesn't mean you have to lose a physical element. And I think it's important, more important than anything else, that you maintain, establish, nourish, uh, enhance, improve, have a standard of physicality uh, that goes with whatever scheme, you know, that you're, you know, implementing. Um, But I think it needs to be diverse. I think I love game planning. I love um, coaching week to week. Uh, tweaking and uh, fitting schemes, and based on the matchups and things of that nature. But I think it's important that you understand your, your, uh, uh, you know, what you have at, at uh, you know at your disposal in regards to playmakers, and uh, you know, you're going to ride uh, the things that are your strength. You're going to protect the weaknesses. Um, but I, I believe you got to throw the ball uh, in this day and age, uh, without question. And I think that's uh, never changed. But you got to be aggressive in the things that you're doing, and multiple, um, very diverse uh, in your presentation, and then make the defense uh, move and adjust and um, uh, be right on the field. Um, and uh, and then again, I think that you got to be known for something. And um, so I think having a you know a strong identity that has shown that it's uh stood the test of time is is important as well so
0: that was about offense but honestly man, I, I, when I first heard him talking and I was there I was in the room and I was listening I was making notes it's going so fast at first I, I thought he was talking about defense but no he was talking about offense there but like his defensive philosophy is going to be exactly the same way when it comes to week-to-week tweaking things like that what he wants to do with, with offenses and keep keep them off out off balance but a couple of things that stood out to me about that obviously the the fact that he said that just because you're spreading things out doesn't mean you, can, you don't have to be physical or that the physical element of your offense is not going to be there. And that's obviously huge. I mean, uh, Jeff Levy, Ole Miss, the last two years, they've ran the football better than Oklahoma has ran the ball the last two seasons. So there's got to be a physical element running the football. It's got to exist in this offense. They've also thrown the ball better than Oklahoma has the last two years. Grant, they have Matt Corral. But Oklahoma had a five star in Spencer Rattler and also had a five star with Caleb Williams. I mean, it's not like OU was uh, didn't have talent at that position. It's Lincoln Riley. So that stood out. And then the fact that he brought up hey, you know, you gotta be mindful, you gotta be aware of your what, what you're doing, and you have to understand what kind of playmakers that you have. And the way I read into that is that let's get the playmakers the football. Let's find ways to get the guys that are really good the ball. And Grant, you brought it up multiple times in this podcast over the years. What, what does Clemson do? What do they do in those big playoff games, those big national title games, with their big receivers and their great quarterbacks?
2: They spread people out and they get the ball to their best players. I rewatched a, <laughs> I, I rewatched the um, their game against Alabama, where they just where they curb stomped them, and that entire game. What did they do? They spread them out. They spread Alabama's defense out and threw the ball downfield to Justin Ross and T Higgins. And they would, and they ran the ball with Travis Etienne against light boxes. That that's that's what they did in that game. Over and, and over there for and it? over again.
0: And he sees it. He got, he gets it. He understands it. And so that's going to be, you would think, something that I mean, it's going to be Jeff Levy's offense. But Brent Venable's is head coach. Jeff Levy knows what he's doing. You hope that there's
2: elements of that in his offense as well. And that definitely brings up something, and you know, to go back to to Lincoln Riley it brings up one of my annoyances, uh, rhetorically of what Lincoln Riley always did. And Hey, I mean this, this happened on the field too. We saw it way more the last two seasons than I think maybe we did the, the, the previous three was he was always, he was always about, Hey, we're going to spread it around. Everyone's going to get their opportunity here. You're going to, no, nah, I don't. I, I think you should have thrown the ball to CD Lamb more in
0: 2019. And they, they threw it to him quite a bit. They that threw it to year, him a lot. You should have done it more. more.
2: Um, yeah, I'm. am okay. Like yeah, I mean, you know, it, there was there were times right when you had, um, like I mean, if you got Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks in the backfield, and the, I mean that's your one, like, and Ramondre Stevenson. That that's fine. Like I, I'm okay with with kind of uh, spreading it out between running backs in that regard. But man, one of Lincoln Riley's problems was, was he like sometimes I, I really felt like he needed to go visit Wisconsin, and wh- and he just needed to hear them say yeah, we basically just run it between the tackles until the other team can stop it, and we've won, like, 80% of our games just doing that. Um, that That's, like, Lincoln Riley was, a lot of the times, did not necessarily pick at scabs until they started to bleed. And um, Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I, that's that's just one of the kind of the most basic concepts of football that every coach who has ever successfully coached understands, like, especially at the high school level. Do what you do what you do until they can't stop it anymore. Riley Riley went away from that a lot. um and hey, I, I think anybody trying to diagnose as to why that's the case is just guessing because we don't know. I mean, I don't know. Um, but it was definitely a problem. and um I, I've already seen some stuff from Jeff levy that that suggests that that may not be a problem uh, with him. Um, there's one I, I sent you a video of him kind of breaking down his offense where he used the term that you know they, they're always looking to steal yards and take the plays that are easy that the defense is giving to them. Um, and, oh my gosh, that's just so refreshing. That's extremely yeah. refreshing to hear. Because, hey, I mean, that's what... Because I've always thought to myself, geez, man, if, if an opposing offense went in with that game plan against OU's defense, they'd score on every single drive.
0: Yeah, it, we would see offenses seem like they were doing that certain drives but they kind of go away from it seemingly like I don't know why Iowa State didn't try to get better matchups with Charlie Kohler more than the last couple of series in that game there was like one series where they kind of tried in the middle of the uh, the game and that was it and it's, it's all, so in that first series of the game was all scripted and they had no problem going down the field against Oklahoma's defense because again it's you, you watch tape there's a lot of easy yards there and it, it's a good thing Oklahoma didn't get to face uh, didn't face Ole Miss's offense with Levy coordinating because if he's a guy that wants to steal yards and find easy yards, he probably would have found it against Oklahoma's defense. Yeah, you know, how how many drives would he have found it? How many series would have been successful? We'll never know. But uh, heck, maybe if uh, you know, maybe we get a OU USC game with this uh, coaching staff in the near future. We'll, we'll find out.
2: <laughs> Ooh, hey, go back and watch because uh, because I'm sure you remember that that Alabama Clemson game at the. Alabama, when, when they had the ball first, they threw it through a pick-six like on the third play of the game. Um, man, go back and watch that. That is a scenario where Alabama was trying to steal some easy yards, and Clemson, the, their corner, I think it was Trayvon Mullen, clearly recognized it on on tape, and he, and he jumped in front of it. Gosh, that man. that is just so... Man, we haven't seen that in a long time at OU. Just something no. as simple as that where you bait someone into a play that they know is just sort of like easy in their in their repertoire but you know it's coming you've watched so much tape that you know it's coming and then and that sets the entire tone for a freaking national championship game
0: i mean maybe trey norwood's pick six against florida
2: but i
1: don't that know how game much that was film review
2: does or not matter just whatsoever <laughs> I, I am just, like know, that was, was a good player so I, I need to go i need to go back and, and listen to what i was saying after that game on the podcast because I, I i remember feeling a little kind of eh about it and thinking people shouldn't be as excited now that we know what happened at florida with dan oh, mullen and everything on. Th- i'm sorry that game is that game was so no. meaningless was so it meaningless was, the whole point of that game is that oklahoma did exactly what it needed
0: to do that was the whole point of that game
2: yeah but they also gave up a lot of yards
0: But, yeah, I mean, the defense didn't play as great as they probably could have. Who cares? By the way, that national title game you're talking about, uh, I don't have very fond memories from that game because I was so wrong about that. And I think that was the night where I got uh, called out by that, like, freezing cold takes uh, Twitter account for, like, a take I had in the the beginning of that game. I think I said something along the lines of, like, oh, man, Clemson's defense. Good luck stopping this Alabama offense or something along those lines. And, boy, I could not have been more wrong about that. So that was pretty funny. Uh, I deserve to be drug or dragged or ever f- by a uh, freezing cold takes for that horrible take. Cause I was just drinking the OU Kool-Aid man thought you know, the OU offense is so good. And you know, the, or, or no, no, actually, no, it was the way around. It was the uh, Al- yeah, Alabama offense. How are they going to no Clemson's defense? How is that what I said? Clemson's defense. How are they going to stop Alabama's offense? I am out to lunch today, man. My, my brain is not working. So anyways, it was like, I was saying, Oh, how is Clemson's defense going to be able to stop this great Alabama offense? Clearly, I had, uh, watched, I had watched the OU-Alabama game a little too closely, thinking that, thinking that Oklahoma's defense was anywhere even in the same stratosphere, in the same sport as Clemson's defense. And really year.
2: what it was is that OU in the second half of that game put a lot of stuff on tape that Clemson exploited nine days later of what it was.
0: Hmm.
2: Well, offensively, right? Yeah, against, oh like, yeah. Uh, OU's against, OU's offense kind of that, that's like one of the things like it's OU's offense didn't get stopped in the second half of that game against Alabama. And that's not like a brag or anything. It's just like that OU offense was great. I mean, that was there was going to come a, a point eventually in that game where Alabama just wasn't going to be able to stop them anymore. Um and yeah, Clemson Clemson ran a lot of a lot of stuff against Alabama that that they probably saw that OU probably exploited a week before that. But hey,
0: man, just uh, even though it was a 2018 season, just year two of Riley, but hey, I'll just utilize this as another example of the team and the offense specifically coming out and not being prepared, not being ready for the moment early on. And that cost them that lost them the game in the first quarter. They were down, they were down 28 to nothing after the first quarter, I think. Uh, I mean, you got to be more. And that's the other thing is like we kind of learned, with the exception of I mean, the, the Georgia game was the exception. They were on fire. They came out, and it's almost like that game, that season, set the tone for Lincoln-Riley at Oklahoma, and just the ceiling was so high. And it's like, man, this is his first year. What's it going to be moving forward? And after that, it was just – not. that was like the – I think I saw somebody tweet like going into halftime of that game. That was like the height of Lincoln-Riley at Oklahoma. The Halftime, and honestly, before the squib kick of the Rose Bowl game when they were up 31-17. to Uh, 14 and from there on out it was just a slow decline and uh that's boy now and uh, with the benefit of hindsight that's really sad that's a really (laughs) sad actually
2: I I think that's a that's an interesting narrative because I think that's a narrative that I think if any OU fan was you know was kind of aggressively public about that or really vocal about it I think most fan bases and most people would look at OU fans like what are you talking about like OU has been like they've been um, they've been amazing under riley like every year it's like that's one of the things where i question are we just are we so close to the program or is it because i mean I, I do think there is some substance there like that i mean that 2017 team is the best team they've had under riley um and they straight up have gotten more like more athletes and more talent in the building and they've gotten worse so like why what's the you know what's what's the reasoning behind that and so I, i'm not i I don't think that means necessarily that Riley's going to show up at USC, and then it's just that. I mean, they're going to go five and seven every year. But I think yeah, no. if if you want to look at one thing, though, I think yeah, like the, the stability of OU's program. Go that that 2017 year was clearly a huge deal. C- clearly was 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 a large part of their success.
0: And it's it's not. It, what makes it tough, especially probably for outsiders to, to grapple with or understand or grasp, I should say, is that th- th- it's gone downhill, but it's not like it's gone like off a cliff. They've won double-digit games every year, but it's just like the way, especially this year, the way in which Oklahoma won. Uh, we've all talked about it. I mean, Oklahoma were, were, I think maybe the Sooners Group guys a few weeks ago or maybe it was after the Iowa State game or maybe the Baylor game or something like that, uh, and maybe multiple people have made this point, but Oklahoma's maybe five to ten plays – Away from being like Iowa State this year. Having, what, seven wins or whatever? I mean, like, that, that's how close things were. But Oklahoma, but they won those games. You know, they ended up winning double-digit games. So that's where, especially this season, it's, it's where it's like, yeah, like, hey, yeah, they're 10-2, and they're great. But we watch all the games. We, we break down the tape. We, we're so close to the program, we see kind of the holes and the weaknesses.
2: And then, you know, hey, I think, I think glass half-full interpretation of this right is that hey you know maybe maybe they were winning these games at you know so late in the game because they were so talented because they were so and and they were winning despite the coaching staff i think that's that's the glass half full approach for ou fans going into 2022 for sure because if that's the case and they can retain a lot of these guys I mean, I, I mean, let's just say, I mean, if, if Caleb Williams comes back, they absolutely should be the favorite to win the Big Twelve next year. Um, any any talk of, of of an alternative is just not correct. Um, but we don't know if that's going to happen. Like, yeah, I mean, if if the roster yeah. comes back intact and they don't have a lot of guys, I mean, there's they could make a huge jump. I'm just, I, I'm not ready to say that that's that that's going to be the case yet because I, it's just, I mean, just yeah, so no. so much can happen.
0: Oh yeah, no, you're you're being reasonable, and I you you've taken that role. This podcast, I'm taking the the role of the the believer, the uh, the guy that's that's glasses totally full, and that's it's a change, and I like that. And so I have one more point to make as I'm trying to uh, convince you that Oklahoma's in a better spot now with Lincoln Riley gone and Venables and Lebby and whoever else he brings in, and it's about the offense, and you know that's the big thing with Lincoln Riley, right? Riley is gone, so. People in the program, outside the program, it's fair to think and say like, Oklahoma's offense is going to take a, a step back. It's not going to be Oklahoma's offense anymore. I mean, they've had the, the best offensive play caller, one of the, the greatest, most elite offensive guys as a head coach and play caller the last five seasons, or I guess the last, what, seven seasons, seven or eight since 2015. Well, here's the thing. Once Oklahoma goes to the SEC, I think naturally it, it was going to take a step back anyways, but that's not really the point we're, we're getting at here. Uh, you know, Oklahoma's going to play some really good defenses over there in that conference. Although, I will say, credit to the Big 12, the Big 12 has stepped its game up av- as- of late. But Jeff Lebby's been a fantastic offensive coordinator so far in his career. He's 37 years old. What if, what if Jeff Lebby is another kind of version of Lincoln Riley coming out of East Carolina? Except in this scenario... Lebby has two years of SEC experience under his belt, which I think is a plus compared to Lincoln Riley's previous experience before he came to OU. Now, Lebby's also worked under Josh Heupel and also Lane Kiffin, a couple of guys who know offense pretty darn well. And, oh, by the way, Lebby's also worked under Art Bryles, and I know that's a name a lot of people don't want to hear or talk about, but we're talking purely football, and that's three fantastic offensive minds that Jeff Lebby has worked under. It's a good pedigree. Now, his offenses the past two years with Matt Corral were in a lot of ways, we've talked about this a little bit on this podcast, a lot of ways better than Oklahoma's offense the past two years with Rattler and with Caleb Williams. Ole Miss gained more yards. Ole Miss hit more explosive plays in total. And interestingly enough, like I said a little bit ago, Ole Miss has ran the football better the past two years than Oklahoma has. And when the running game has not been that great for Lincoln Riley, That's when Oklahoma's offense is nowhere near as effective, and we've seen it really the last two seasons. Lebby's considered to be one of the best young offensive minds in college football, and now you're going to pair him with maybe the best defensive mind, aside from Nick Saban, or maybe aside from a Kirby Smart, uh, in the country. And that's an exciting duo, uh, if you ask me. I mean, just think. Clemson won a couple of national titles with Venables calling the defense, and co-offensive coordinators Tony Elliott – and Jeff Scott calling the offense. Now, Scott is no longer at Clemson. He's the head coach at South Florida, and South Florida's not very good right now. I guess it's a full rebuild there or something. And then Tony Elliott, he's been the solo OC for the past two years. And in Elliott's first season, without Deshaun Watson or without Trevor Lawrence this past year, Clemson had one of the worst offenses in college football for the vast majority of the season. And so you got Lebby, who's young. Sure, I get it. He's also an OU guy. You know that he's here. He's a Sooner. He wants to be here, and he cares. I'm confident that his offense is going to be, or I shouldn't say I'm confident it's going to be. It can be really, really good at Oklahoma based on the evidence of his past. So the venables levy situation, I think at this point, has higher upside than Riley and Grinch. And here's a big reason why. We've touched on it a little bit. I don't know how much Riley and Grinch are open to adjustments and tweaking things and growing. We didn't see much of that in the five seasons of Riley's offense with the exception of, we talked about earlier, him doing a really nice job of tweaking that offense to Jalen Hurts' skill set for a large portion of 2019. And then as for Alex Grinch, Speed D, again, pretty much never did anything we didn't expect him to do. And I know Brent Venables is not going to be afraid to make adjustments game to game. And as for Lebby, we're going to learn more about him as time goes on. But he's got a, a good track record so far, and I think there's a lot of upside there. So there's some unknown with Jeff Levy, sure, but I do think based on all the things I put together, if you can kind of uh, like, this took a lot longer than I thought it would, but whether it be, you know, program, culture, identity, defense is going to improve. And now Levy with the offense has done better statistically in a lot of ways than Riley's offense the last two years. Maybe Riley's offense, in a way, is kind of going downhill a little bit, and he's going to have to maybe tweak some things and adjust, whereas Levy is kind of up and coming right now, where maybe his offense is get, maybe going to get better. Who knows? As he starts to learn more, I think there's some upside there, and that's why, ultimately, I think Oklahoma's in a pretty darn good spot, and maybe... No, I, I, I don't want to hedge. It's a podcast. I
2: think they are in a better spot right now than they were 10 days ago. That's my final push. I could buy the argument that there's, that there's more upside. With that pairing, um, and and I think I think most of that upside comes from Brent Venables over Alex Grinch. Um, yeah, exactly. Because exactly. I, I mean, like I said, I I I think it's the shine. The shine came off Alex Grinch a lot this season. Um, and I know I like where there are times, a lot of times. Um, and I know I'm not the first person to make this point. Where, <laughs> right? Where it's like, and now even saying it kind of makes me cringe. Right? Saying speed D, it's 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 kind of it's cringy. It's it's gimmicky. It's um. When it's just like, nah, man, actually, just like line up and and confuse someone. You can't do it. So, I, you know, it's um, like I said, we'll see. I, I'm not, I, I'm not ready to get there yet with with Colin. You know, maybe saying that Lebby is is a better OC than Riley. I'm definitely not there yet. Um, I've seen a lot from Jeff Lebby that excites me for sure. I just, I just don't know how it's gonna shake out. I don't know how the roster is gonna shake out. And if Caleb Williams leaves, who's going to be the quarterback? I mean, I, I don't know who's. You, you got to think if if Caleb Williams leaves, he wouldn't be the only one. Um, Bill Beaniebo being there, you know, as the as the O line coach, definitely stabilizes some things. What's going to happen on the offensive line? That's that's an area where they just they've just haven't done a good job really the last handful of years developing guys. They've recruited well, but the guys they've recruited, they haven't done a great job developing. Um, i mean i just i i think i think of a guy like adrian ely who had who had a really good second half of of the 2020 season um he he goes for the draft doesn't even get drafted and then he's doesn't even make it through any sort of training camp and he's just he's just done his career's over um and i i mean adrian eon adrian ely was a much better player than that that shouldn't have happened so um i don't know what we're, we're see i mean there's there's I, I think, you know, one of one of the positive things about Riley being gone now is that everyone can kind of more openly talk about the warts that were in the program now and like and not right. I mean, there because, you know, when when you're there, when you're in the you know, when you're in the foxhole, right, it's it's pretty easy to to convince yourself that it's something else or it's an aberration. Um, but there has man there's there, there were a lot of red flags. And so like I'm I'm of the opinion of. Can't you know, can those red flags be rectified immediately or do, do those take time to iron out? And if they do take time to iron out, you know what was what was still winning them games in the first place. So, um I mean, it's it's this super fat. I mean, this is just this is an utterly yeah. fascinating period in OU football. Um and that's why I'm just kind of like this is that that's what I'm really getting into. Um I like I'm so there was a really good and you know, I not to hijack this, but there was a really good um there's a really good thread that I read this morning on 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 Sooner Scoop, and I know I know a lot of people that listen are, are on there too. Um, there's a guy who, uh, and this is a feeling that I've communicated on this podcast. I think I started talking about it last season. Uh, where the guy just he it was a really long post, and he said, "Hey, I, I just I is anyone else just had they not had fun watching OU football under Lincoln Riley anymore?" Uh, and if you listen to this podcast, I mean, you can. You get, you could almost pull a lot was what he was saying straight from this podcast where I was, there was just, there was something off. There was something about the program that just, that was not very fun. Um, There was something like I I just every game, every game, especially the last two years that I've watched have been really stressful. And I, you know, that's, you know, I, I went through periods of of my fandom where I was super stressful watching games. Um, But in the years leading up to these last couple years that had receded that was gone totally just the last couple years it was totally back completely where i was just like god this isn't fun i know even if they do this thing well they're probably going to screw up at some point in time they're probably going to make some sort (laughs) of crazy mistake um even if they get up by three scores i then i know the defense is probably going to rest on their laurels and start giving up chunk yardage um you know i there was just there's something about it and and i'm starting to think was it was was it just because of the attitude that the head coach reflected and and put out there and um whereas like even if you saw even if you know even if you were sure that you saw something that was wrong that they needed to do better you knew that the head guy wasn't going to acknowledge it or was going to tell you that you were wrong and that they were actually close um there was there was kind of a, a, a deflating something about it that was totally deflating because when he would come out and say, and, like, and I know you harp on the Kansas game and, them, and they're close, the, the consequences of him saying that is that it deflates the fan base because it talks us into thinking, crap, man, none of this is ever going to change because you can't even acknowledge it. And every, everybody knows the very first step to change is admitting that you have a problem. Lincoln Riley, mm-hmm. I only ever admitted that he had a problem at any point in time in any area of the roster, the team, anywhere. He would never admit it, ever.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, is that just, uh, you know, is that, the, is that a 2021 thing? And he just was kind of reportedly just, we could, based off of the LA Times report, you know, who knows, maybe he was, you know, a lot of people think he was checked out for the whole season, you know, and now that he's got his new job, a new challenge, he'll be full, all in, and maybe all that'll change. And it's possible. He's a smart guy. He's a really good
2: football coach. But then I think to all myself,
0: possible that he could-
2: how successful can you be? if you want if you want to run the exact same culture at USC which yeah is I'm you're not inheriting a, a Bob Stoops built culture when you get there. That's a culture that probably kind of already is the country club mentality. So maybe in that sense it's a fit, but it's not going to surprise me at all if 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 USC puts up a lot of points, has a lot of explosive plays, but whenever they play Utah and get punched in the mouth, they lose. <laughs>
0: Oh uh, yeah, but hey, but hey, clapping for us—the the one team, the one conference
2: we both got right, Utah. That's not true. We both <laughs> picked Alabama to win the SEC.
0: <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Uh, I was a uh, good good call on that. Um, okay, stupid. Who cares? Okay, uh, man, this that took a lot longer than I thought. We got so many more things to talk about. Uh, I don't want to go another hour and a half, though. Uh, that would be ridiculous. So I guess let's go quick on uh, Caleb Williams. So do you think he's going to stay? Gun to my what, head, what's yes. What's gut telling you?
2: Yes, I do. I, I do think he's going to stay. No inside info. All totally intuition. Um, and it's mostly just when I look at the landscape. Um, it just, I, If he was going to leave, he already would have. He'd already be gone if he was going to leave. I, I just I don't see... I see zero utility at all for him to stay and play the bull game if he's not going to stay like why yeah, I agree. why would he I, do that I don't know I don't know I, I unless it's one of those things
0: where he's committed to the team and he wants to go through it all with his team and play a final game and then he goes but I I just I don't know and bringing Jeff Levy on I don't know if I don't know how that's going to go I don't know if if they've already talked how that works um, he certainly hasn't made any sort of public they've, announcements
2: I think they've definitely talked um, like there's um nah gosh I, don't, I mean I don't want to Privilege information there. I, Lebby's already recruiting for OU. Um, so I he's it's. He's talked to yeah, Caleb Williams. Okay. I, I it would it would I, it would strain all of the credulity if he if he hasn't talked to Caleb Williams yet.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay, I mean, we know Brent Venables has Venables said on Monday he's talked to him and his parent, his dad and you know, multiple times. So it just it doesn't make. From a football standpoint and even a future standpoint, I really don't think it makes sense for him to go anywhere, especially now you got a guy with Levy's background who just coached a guy for two years that's going to be probably the first quarterback taken in the draft coming up. So he's got experience. And, like, Matt Corral is a really talented player, but Caleb Williams is a much more, uh, much more highly sought-after recruit than Matt Corral was. And so staying at Oklahoma with the background of a Brent Venables with that kind of success, maybe the, you know, the defense should be better. I think not only does Oklahoma and Caleb Williams, he sticks around, he's got a great chance to continue developing and becoming a great quarterback and get drafted like he would if he was still under Lincoln Riley. But also, I I think in the next two years where Caleb Williams will be playing, team-wise, not saying this is like a a great chance for either one of them, but I would say Oklahoma's got a better chance to win a national title in the
2: next two years than USC. 100 uh, percent it's that's not even a usc is hey man i watched their game against cal the other night usc is in a really bad spot right now they are usc is, is is in a worse spot right now than ou was when bob stoops took over in 1999 Ooh man ouch uh and well heck by that though by that analogy uh in two years riley will be a national champion <laughs> crap <laughs> I know I, that's not uh, yeah. going to happen. Their offensive line is is just is so bad is so terrible. And I, I like I I'm sorry, Benny Wiley and and Annie Hansen's husband are not going to turn that thing around in two years to for them to win a national title. <laughs> so,
0: I mean, again, it's not like even if he did leave, if he did transfer, he doesn't have to go to USC. I mean, any team would probably take the guy. So, I mean, I guess you could go. But. Like why like why but not no, just stay I mean, at
2: OU? Sure, anyone would take him, but like i you know, you're not you you're you can not go to Ohio State, can't go to Alabama. Um, maybe, yeah. you know I know there's kind of some rumblings that maybe Joe Brady is interested in Miami. Maybe he would go to Miami, but I mean you're not I'm sorry you're not gonna win anything there. You're just not. Right. Um He's and not, I think yeah. You know, going to U. I. he, of course, I guess he could go to USC, but we've already said he's not going to, like, that's going to be a rebuild. He's going to be going against a Swiss, he's going to be, he's going to have a Swiss cheese offensive line. Um, Drake London, their best player, is gone, going to the NFL. Um, I, the other, like, the other, the team that makes the most sense for him to go to is Ole Miss with Jeff Levy there or with Lane Kiffin there. Uh, like, it, it almost feels like, or to, uh, if yeah. his, which, yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. Obviously. Yeah, it, it depends on what he what, what he prefer, like what he's trying to do. Is he trying to get drafted? Is he trying to is he trying to win? I think standard OU is is probably gonna gonna fill in those boxes the best. But also, I mean it comes down to it's gonna come down to personal preference. He's gonna do whatever he feels like doing. I guess it's just it's hard for me to to picture any sort of scenario where this guy is he's staying for the bowl game. A me I'm a meaningless bowl game. Bowl game doesn't mean a thing at all. It doesn't it's not going to do anything for his development. It's going to be a vanilla game plan. What like what outside of unless he's just a guy who just wants to ride with his guys and and see out the end of the year. But I I just I don't know. I I, I don't see it. It doesn't it it doesn't I it, for me it just doesn't really align. You have you have the guy coming in who is kind of consi- who is the hot offensive coordinator right now. Um you got I, you would you would think that if he stays the other guys like um guys like mems and mario williams would stay too and like i mean I've, I've said this caleb williams comes back marvin Mims, mario williams comes back we know drake stoops is going to come back um there's there's some talk that maybe it's a real possibility that zach evans could could be a guy that comes to this team in the offseason anton harrison stays which i don't think is a stretch because because beaten bow is still here we know andrew rame is back Wanya Morris is going to be back. Savion Bird is going to be back, who I think is going to be a really good player for OU. Hell, I think Chris Murray is probably going to be back, too. Um, there is absolutely a reality where OU's offense is a, is a monster next season if those guys come back. I mean, that's those are... I, and, and I know, like, you're projecting a lot into the future there, but that's a pretty good pitch that Lebby can make to Williams. And I think oh, if yeah. Williams stays, yeah. every all the... Every, everyone else will fall in a line because why, why wouldn't they? they? They know that they're going to have – Why wouldn't they? They know they're going to have a really good chance after that. Coming into a Big 12 that – I mean, yeah, I, I get that Baylor kind of has everyone coming back, but they lose their two best players. Oklahoma State is losing a lot of – is losing their best players on their defense. I, the Big 12 is so and wide the, open And their year. defensive coordinator. And their defensive coordinator – I, the Big Twelve is gonna be worse next year than it was this year, and I—it's just—it's—and I, I have you seen OU's know, twenty-two schedule? Oh my god! We we thought this year's schedule was easy. My god!
0: <laughs> uh, and I—I I think you failed. I mean, you talked about it last week, but did you mention as well if just the simple decision to to stay with Oklahoma, he becomes a, a, instantly a Sooner
2: legend. He's a legend. He's a legend. That, he's my—you yeah. know—he's—he's uh, he's automatically automatically in the in in the baker and kyler t- i don't know if you can put him in the baker tier quite yet yeah, he's the you know um but he's in the no, kyler he's, he's, tier
0: he's not he's not baker yet yeah he's yeah.
2: in the kyler tier if he stays of, of of people who love him i think like i, I mean i already love yeah. the guy i already love the guy like uh, that's that's the thing i'm most excited about for the freaking alamo bulls hey at least we get to watch caleb williams play again
0: hopefully I, I will say this. If for some reason he does decide to transfer, hopefully he doesn't, but if he does transfer out, I'd expect Oklahoma to. You said, like, ooh, who would they, who's, who's the quarterback? I'd expect OU to look into former UCF quarterback Dylan Gabriel because he played for Levy at UCF in 2019. And he recently had a, uh, a reportedly, I think this past weekend, took an official visit to Ole Miss uh, before Levy left. So, uh, Levy, I think Levy is trying, I mean, he would be, if, he would be the guy that Lebby would bring in probably
2: i think that's uh yeah i think that's an interesting way to look at it i think you know i think there's a pretty good shot going into 22 that OU starting quarterback next year is is caleb williams or dylan gabriel i i think that that seems like a pretty good bet i don't think dylan gabriel is that good so um i will see but it's you know probably better than ralph rucker even though we love you ralph but Probably, probably need a, a, a scholarship quarterback start. Hell, may, maybe Micah Bowens is awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, okay, let's talk about the Brent Venables coaching staff. What we know so far, and you've talked about the offensive staff a little bit. I, I do want to say I don't know how much of it is is out there, but you've already hinted at it. I mean, I Dean Blevins at News Nine, my boss. He he's heard from a a source that's a coach. Uh, I'm not sure if he's a coach within the Oklahoma staff or just a coach with. Uh, inside knowledge of the staff but he's heard that all of the offensive staff under riley with obviously the exception of dennis simmons who's gone is expected to be retained by brent venables so that would obviously include all the guys we've talked about before uh Biedenbo, joe john finley demarco murray kale gundy uh, i believe that's that's all right am i missing anybody that's it and we've seen it. pictures and stuff of them out on the recruiting trail i know beaten initially he was reported as likely to be going with riley to usc and but again, like last we last saw him out on the recruiting trail with uh, Venables and Cal Gundy and DeMarco Murray. He was out in, uh, I believe, in Vegas talking to that uh, Jake Taylor recruit that I think he's an offensive lineman, uh, obviously, because bows there. And then I also saw a recruit out of the 2023 class who tweeted out that he was still committed to Oklahoma and he tagged bow on Twitter. So it, it looks like bow
2: and it appears all, all those guys are staying Um so, like, and that's, and that's one of those things, sure. I mean, if you're Jeff Lebby, why on earth wouldn't you want to retain Bill Beaton? Like that's, and, right. and also if oh, you're, yeah. if you're Brent Venables, I mean, that's, that would have been outside of keeping Caleb Williams and Norman, the second that Brent, that, that Venables stepped on campus. I mean, hell, even when he was on that plane on the phone, priority number two should have been keeping Beaton Bow and Norman. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy, he is I'm, like, I, I understand the last couple seasons have not been that great. That guy's got so many skins on the wall. Man, he's he's developed so many good players. And um I, I don't know, maybe maybe going back to a, to a, a scheme change will be exactly what what Beanbo needs to kind of to get back to that that level of, of of producing Joe Moore award-winning offensive lines. Maybe maybe all they need is Benny Wiley not being there anymore. I don't know. Well,
0: Oh yeah, we'll we'll get to that here in a moment, and people might forget. I mean, Bill Beidenbo, he's not a Riley guy. He came over when Stoops was still the head coach in 2013, I believe, was his first year. But
2: so Beidenbo is that was a, a Bob Stoops hire. Beidenbo is a leech tree guy, though. So it yes, was, you, right, I think yes. the I, I, I think and Riley but. were acquaintances when they when they when they first came onto the staff together. So it was.
0: But it's not like. But my point is, it's not like Beidenbo and Lincoln Riley are like a package deal. Like they've always been together. That's not. That, that's and I saw. Yeah, and I have heard. I'd say I, I have heard that Beidenbo really likes it in Oklahoma. Just living in Oklahoma, and he just so if that if that's true, I guess it would make a whole lot of sense that he'd be happy to stick around on the staff.
2: Yeah, and I and obviously if, I don't especially wanna. if
0: they're retaining everybody else.
2: Yeah, I don't want. I mean, I'm not going to read anybody's mind, but or but Bill Beidenbo just seems like a like an Oklahoma guy, doesn't he? Like, can you imagine? Like, and I know <laughs> I'm not the first person to brought this up. L.A. lifestyle is not for Bill Beidenbo.
0: You don't know, see him out uh at the Hollywood sign taking pictures? I do not, no. Maybe on the maybe in Beverly Hills getting some handbags for the wife. No, not not a Bill Biedenbow thing. I really uh, don't okay, think so. I, I
2: think I, I think Bill Biedenbow is just a kind of a salt of the earth guy and, and just kind of prefers to work and he's not he's not a glitz and glamour guy.
0: So I just want to throw this out there. Just I don't know. If this means anything, or it means everything, but does it say anything about Lincoln Riley that the only offensive assistant that he's going to be ha- have in a USC is Dennis Simmons, and all the other guys are are not
2: going to go with him? Yes, I th- I'm not. I don't want to read too much into that, but I think there might be something there. I mean, that is like I'm. I'm
0: pretty sure it's been reported. I think I think Riley like he wanted Beaton Bow to come with. I, I think he offered uh uh jeez oh, i hopefully that's been out there. I'm pretty sure I heard that uh, because like why wouldn't he? It'd be, he's a great offensive line coach, but really, uh, I mean if, but I, if, I don't know yeah. if you
2: look up and down that list though, Dennis Simmons is the only is the only Riley guy in there. The other guy all the other guys are you know Beanbow is hired by Bob Stoops. uh just kind of yeah. seems like he fits in this region really well, and then you got DeMarco Murray, who is a sooner, Joe John Finley, who is a sooner at the same time that Murray was. Um and then Kale, who has been here ever since Bob Stoops' first regime, they're all OU, they're all Bob Stoops guys, all Bob Stoops guys, and so it's not in that context, it's not hell, Jeff Lebby's a Bob Stoops guy, Bob Stoops recruited him. Yeah, yeah,
0: he is. Um, so I'm curious as far as Jeff Levy goes, is he able to bring anybody else over? Uh, you know, offensively from the Ole Miss staff, like is there even any other positions? maybe like one it's it's lane kiffin's team so that's like lane kiffin staff so maybe maybe it's not even an option uh is like, maybe some offensive analysts or so are you going to hire some more of those like they probably need to I go to the so. sec i'm just kind of curious if if he's going to have any of his guys from Ole miss in any sort of positions uh in, in addition to the current assistants that it looks like are going to be there so i guess we'll find
2: out we'll find out i i think probably the analyst stuff the support stuff that that'll probably come out and in- in in the new year i would guess i I bet i think that'll be after all the bowl games and everything
0: all right so that's offensive now the defensive is the most or is more interesting because we're not we're not sure where they're going with it uh i mean we do know from some bruce feldman reports that unfortunately jamar kane is not sticking around he's going to usc uh that's that's a big for riley um jamar kane's a great coach would have loved to have him stick around but who knows i mean Venables is going to bring over some some great guys you would expect from Clemson. We do know of, of what one guy they're bringing over so far. It looks like reportedly. Yeah, so it hasn't been o-
2: it hasn't been reported, nor has it been announced yet. But uh, Miguel Chavis, who is a who is a, d- a defensive line support staff at Clemson, uh, his social media handles uh, now that he runs obviously list him as the defensive ends coach at Oklahoma. So. Um, and uh, which so is the position so that Jamar, Jamar Cain, Cain coached? <laughs> and uh, hey, yeah, hey, Jamar Cain being gone is tough pill to swallow. It is. I, I thought, um, I thought Jamar Cain was the most impressive assistant coach on this entire the entire staff, um, or at least has been the last couple seasons. Uh, he's shown to be able to go out and recruit some big dogs. Um, sort of the jump that guys like Isaiah Thomas and Nick Benito made in his two years at OU is is vast, is really really significant and um that one's tough that that that's a tough one to lose the you know one way that i can justify that though and say hey, maybe it's not that bad is that i with where ou's defensive culture was and where they are i don't think it's a terrible thing that venables came in and he's just going to clean house and bring in a lot of other guys um especially if they're guys who are are going to coach kind of to more to his culture his style um just not sure yet i hope that um but yeah, it's looking like this guy Miguel Miguel uh, Chavis is is going to be new, uh, OU's new DN coach. He's a young guy. I know he's a he's a young guy. Um, just kind of judging by going through like some kind of Clemson message boards today, they they Clemson fans seem to think this is a really big loss for them. Him leaving, so um, and he wasn't even an on field coach. He's not on an on field
0: coach. Th- this will be his first on field position. And he's, he's a former player. He was a former defensive lineman at Clemson. And I kind of read a, a story or two about him. It sounds like he had, he had a pretty crazy life. Like, he was one of those guys who was kind of crazy and, like, did a bunch of off-the-field things. And then he kind of – he was able to calm down. He found God. And now he's he's got his life back on track. And he's been, he was at Clemson, I think, since 2017. And it, it would seem that Brent Venables has taken a liking to this this young guy and – He's bringing him on. He has so much confidence in him, and this is just me assuming based on some things I've read that, hey man, I'm I'm a head coach now. I'm bringing you with, and you're, I'm going to give you your opportunity to be the first time you can be an on-field coach. And I didn't know that about the message boards of the Clemson people. So that's that sounds great. Um, and you know, if if he is a great coach, and that's the guy that's coming in for Jamar Kane, then whew, uh, potentially bullet dodge. But this is very early on. But yeah, I did see that his his social media was was updated to say
2: defensive line coach at Oklahoma Uh, defensive ends coach at Oklahoma. I'm sorry. Defensive ends. You're right. My bad. And so the ends coach. And I, and I got to think the hope is, and I mean, I don't know if there's any reporting or anybody who even saying that this is like a distinct possibility, but the hope right is that Bryn Venables brings Todd Bates with him over. Uh, He was, who is, who is Clemson's current defensive line coach. Uh, The word is that they're very close. They work extremely well together. And Todd Batesley was Rivals' 2019 Recruiter of the Year. So right. if they bring in Todd Bates, that would be your kind of your Jamar Cain replacement, where you can be like, okay, this is a guy who has has a lot of skins on the wall. Is ha- has has obviously, um, you know, made a name for himself at the recruiting circuit. Which, hey, I mean, when it comes to defensive line, man, that's just it's. There's not a whole lot of. <laughs> Not a whole lot of diamonds in the rough on the defensive line. The, the elite guys are the elite guys. And you, you got to go out and you got to get them any way you possibly can.
0: Yeah, and with that, that's where it's interesting because Calvin Thibodeau obviously played for Brent Venables. And I think he's been a good assistant coach at Oklahoma. He's mm-hmm. been able to develop some guys. And so the question is then what, what happens with him? Does he – that's, that's going to be a
2: tough one, I think. That's maybe, another if, tough if that's one. What, that's another tough one yeah, I mean, because like, it's – I think one of the things that we can definitively say, even you know, as the defense has kind of gone through this transition, that Tibbs and Jamar Cain have been have been two like their their position groups have have shown the biggest growth, um, and, and probably the the, the position in the group that's that's recruited the, the best as well. And um, man, that's tough. Like, and I, I it hasn't been like announced at all if Tibbs is going anywhere or even that he's off the staff. I think a lot of people are just assuming that because Gabe Dendy decommitted, and he, you know, the the word was that he was really close to to Calvin Thibodeau. So I think the writing on the wall there is that Tib's probably not going to be retained. Man, what a tough conversation to have if you're Brent Venables telling your former player that you're not going to retain. That's that that especially a guy who's had success too. That's that's pretty tough. But hey, I we'll we'll see we'll see. Like it's man, I getting it's I I, it, it, I, it's, I, it's potentially necessary to get guys to get a totally new just get totally sure. new blood in there especially on the defensive side of the ball because man they, they, they just they really outside of last season man they've been they've been bad on defense for the better part of nearly a decade now and it's cleaning house is maybe not the worst idea ever I will say, as
0: of Tuesday night of this week, I, I, I was hearing some rumblings that there still it's it's not over yet. There still is a chance that Thibodeau could still hang around, but I'm not sure in what capacity that would be. But it's, it's as far as I have heard, it's not over yet uh, as of Tuesday night this week. But um, that's all I know. Uh, as far as Brian Odom goes, I don't know anything about him. Haven't heard anything about Brian Odom. Uh, I would assume he's going to be probably gone. Uh, but I have no inside information on Brian Odom. I I don't know how that's going to shake out. I I don't know much about that. Um, I I also I don't know if Brian Odom is a great linebacker coach. I I think he's. I don't think a we know that human being. I think he's a, a cool guy. He's always the very few times we've got him media wise. He's been great. And he answers questions. I I don't know how good of a coach he is. I'll be honest with you. I don't
2: know. And honestly, after. Like I, I'm sorry, the linebackers regressed this season from where they were last year. Uh, the linebackers were just better last year. I mean, I, you can I, you can you can point and circle David Igwebu as exhibit number one. Uh, that guy just he he regressed so so much. And it was an afterthought, just a total afterthought, afterthought this year. And so yeah, the, the shine is definitely off. You know Brian Odom and. And really, I, and I understand that, whatever, I mean, the stuff that went down with him and everything, I was I was, I was was ready to be done with Roy Manning two years ago, so.
0: Yeah, and so that's another one. I mean, Manning, according to Bruce Feldman, is going to USC, and oh boy, I, I mean, are we going to get any kind of after whatever of that whole situation from a week ago? Because I listened to to Gabe Eichert and Teddy Lehman's podcast, and they were kind of they didn't really quite know how to explain it. They they were trying to explain, though, hey, like, just understand how difficult it is for these assistant coaches to be put in the situation that Riley put them in. So maybe that plays into it a little bit. Okay. But that still doesn't explain a guy recruiting for what it looked like based on the reporting two schools at the same time. And, and now that he's actually going to USC, uh, that makes it look like it wasn't all him. Like, Somebody at USC must have known and that somebody might have been Lincoln Riley. I'm just kind of trying to put some like connect the dots here. I don't know if anything's going to come out of this. Uh, I would not be surprised if Oklahoma compliance behind the scenes is is investigating trying to figure this out because, you know, if there's any sort of shady happenings going on that involve Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma would love to to figure that out and expose some stuff. You better believe it. And this is just me, I, I'm, I'm opining based on kind of what I've heard and just what the, the general sense of the program kind of feels like. Heck, on Monday, uh, I didn't tweet this out, but I think Caden McFarland, uh, uh, he's a Tulsa sports anchor, uh, really good guy, he tweeted out a picture from the second floor of Memorial Stadium when they were doing Brent Venable's pe- press conference grant. I don't know, did you see this picture that he tweeted out? With, it's got, a, it's got uh, Bud Wilkinson, it's got uh, Barry Switzer and uh, Bob Stoops, all all these guys' pictures, and then you get to the very end of it, and there was black sheets covering up Lincoln Riley, <laughs> just just the most crude. Like, yep, nope, this guy. We're just gonna pretend like this guy doesn't exist anymore. So th- there's some animosity towards Lincoln Riley. Oh, he so has
2: got the whole Roy. Where he is right <laughs> now, he's got he has no business being amongst those three guys on that wall, and and like I I like I know that sounds petty, but he doesn't. He hadn't earned it. He hasn't. Like the whole him him being up there was all about was all about the fact that we had this we had this wonder kind head coach who is clearly on the same level as these guys. But no, you don't get that privilege anymore when it's like I'm sorry, like that's one of the the worst parts about this is that like I'm I'm upset that the like the end of the Baker Mayfield era and the one amazing Kyler Murray year is kind of tainted by Lincoln Riley being there. Screw that guy.
0: So, anyways, that, the whole Roy Manning thing, I'm curious to see if anything comes out on that. But, yeah, he's gone uh, to USC. So, uh, I'm super curious to find out who is going to be the defensive coordinator. And we're back to Oklahoma football where the head coach is not the guy that's going to be calling the plays for whatever side of the ball he's for. We're back to the Bob Stoops era. Bob Stoops, obviously, guy, defensive-minded guy, hired, came in, hired his brother, hired Brent Venables to be the co-DCs early on there. And, boy, those defenses were darn good. <laughs> they were really good. So, Grant, I ask you, uh, is Mike Stoops going to be the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma? <laughs> Bring it back the band together? I really,
2: really do not think so, no.
0: Probably not. But, hey, we, if one of our old podcasts, whenever they fired Mike Stoops years ago, we went over the list, man. Oklahoma's defenses in that era under Stoops and Venables, those were the best ones. They were better than any any of the defenses where Venables were there by himself, except for maybe one or two of them. But, man, I mean, maybe it was just that era. Everything just kind of aligned. But the Venables-Stoops defenses, man, those were some all-time elite Oklahoma defenses. So I'm saying bring the bring it back together. Let's do it. Mike Stoops – no, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think Mike Stoops is going to come back to be the defensive coordinator. But, hey, you know what? I, I don't know Brent Venables. Hopefully I get a chance to meet him and we can talk to him. But – who knows? Maybe maybe it's going to be Mike Stoops and we'll all just our, our jaws will hit the floor and be like, what is going on? Probably not, though.
2: Well, hey, I mean, this is a perfect uh, it's a perfect transition then, because there is one aspect where Brent Venables is just playing the hits, getting the gang back together. Fill us in.
0: So Jerry Schmidt is going to be coming back to Oklahoma as the strength and conditioning coach after four seasons at Texas A&M. And Schmidt was there for the one, the first season of Lincoln-Riley in 2017. And then from what I've heard, A&M gave him a bunch of money. I mean, doubled his salary. And uh, now he's coming back. Also, former OU linebacker Russell Dennison, who's been an assistant on Schmidt's staff, I believe just for one season at A&M, is also going to join Oklahoma staff, I believe, as well. Uh, I have been told that. I'm not sure if that's out publicly yet, but that's, uh, that's, that's going to be the case. And so... You're going to have a guy that's been you know, at Oklahoma for a long time and bring in another sooner. So, I mean, the whole idea of Lincoln Riley not being fully bought in at Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma is going the total opposite direction now, and they are hiring people that they know are all in at OU and have been there. And, yes, I can understand how trying to play the hits and bringing the whole gang back together – I can understand you could be excited about that, but also maybe not that excited because like, eh, not all the time what, what's old is new again. But in this particular situation, everything I've heard, and I'll be honest, I'm not, I'm, I don't know much about Jerry Schmidt uh, except for the fact that I know that he is a hard ass. And that's, that is what he is known for. Um, I've heard that he, he did a great job at a and uh, it's, I've heard it's going to be a pretty big loss for Jimbo Fisher. I mean, he gets guys tough, and it's it's got to really suck for the players. Hundred percent, man. Like you see on social media, the Rufus Alexanders of the world, the Teddy Laymans of the world, I, uh, the uh, the Dusty checks of the world. Who knows this stuff? I mean, I'm missing a, a million people, a million uh, all pro, you know, all American type players. Like it sounds hard, man. Like no, thank you, and it's gonna suck. But man, for whatever. For the most part of his tenure at Oklahoma, it it got results on the field, as far as I can see. Uh, and the hope is that I, I guess everything that has been negatively said about Benny Wiley. And again, I'm not the biggest like gonna go all, all in on Benny Wiley just because I don't know much about this. I just don't know much about how that how the strength coach transitions to on field product. I just I'm not an expert in that. Uh, I I let other people talk about that. But if, if everything, all the negative things about him let's say, are true, I think Jerry Schmidt coming over is going to be a massive upgrade because I think he has a great track record, even though he's a drill sergeant type guy that is tough and guys are going to hate him or they're going to love him or both. Uh, So I I know we were texting last night. You're you're not super excited about this, but I don't know if you've changed your opinion or if you want to explain kind of why. I'm kind of agnostic. I'm cool with it, but at the same time, I'm not – like, I don't think it's amazing, but based off of former players saying it's great, then I'll just kind of go with, okay, it's probably a good thing. What do you think?
2: So I was, um, I've calmed down a little bit. So I, when I was texting you last night when this broke, I I straight up told you, I said, this is red flag number one um, with Brent Venables. And I told you, I want to be on record of saying that, that, that it's red flag number one. Um, that's coming in through the context that Hey, the narrative that a lot of us were sold when Jerry Schmidt left was that he had he had started it to the point where he was failing to connect with kids and that he his message wasn't getting through and then maybe it was it was better if they just if if OU and Jerry Schmidt mutually parted ways. There's been stuff that have come out lately that suggests maybe that wasn't the full story, maybe that's not what happened. Um, and it's um, Kind of talking myself into it's knowing that he was here in 2017, which just happens to be Lincoln Riley's best team at Oklahoma, and that there's guys from that 2017 team, and you know we're we're, um, we're there, um kind of in his last few years there, that have come out like Orlando Brown is one of them, come out in social media and has said some positive things about Schmidt, or at least suggested that they think very positively about him. Um, And that's, you know, that's, that's definitely contrary to the narrative that I was being sold at the time. So this has definitely gone back. So my, I guess, yeah, my, you know, my reticence with this hire now is, is, is narrative based. It's, it's my cynical nature coming back and telling me, Hey man, getting the gang back together is not always the greatest, the greatest idea. And, um, I come, you know, that's, As an OU fan, that's right. They tried to get, they brought Mike Stoops back, and that it seems that set the the defense back in the program for still, still, still. Um, And so, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I mean, if, if if Smitty comes back and if he starts running off guys, and they struggle to to field a roster, um, that would be consistent with the narrative that that we were being sold back in 2017. You hope that that's that's not the truth, then, hey, it, it, helps, it, helps, it helps ease my mind that there was there's really, and I, I was doing some research today and kind of looking, Texas A&M is not happy that he's leaving, or at least the fans aren't. So that narrative hadn't really taken hold at Texas A&M. Um, so maybe, you know, and then I think to myself, hey, if, if, if they can get through it, if they can get through Smitty's workouts, then, yeah, the team's obviously going to be better off. Um, but another, uh, another big thing that I wanted to bring up to yesterday, just kind of more of a substantive reason why at first I didn't really love it is that injuries were still a huge problem when Jerry Schmidt was here too. Uh, they were getting injured all the time when he was here. And so, um, maybe, yeah, maybe I look too, maybe I'm too close to the program and I I put too much, I, I put more weight on OU's injuries and I don't, you know, it's, it's hard to perceive other places as well. But, um. I, just, I mean, I, I'm tired of OU just being so freaking injured. I'm tired of that.
0: Yeah, see, I think this is – you should, you should go back and, and look at other teams because I, I really think that everybody gets injured. And I, I'm just – I remember like one time earlier this year, we kind of went over like injury reports for like Ohio State's and Alabama's. And like there were some teams that had tons of injuries as well. So I think this is just – I think people just get injured. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think this might be one of those things where maybe you're just over-emphasizing this because you're so close to the program uh you know maybe go i don't know talk to some friends talk to some ohio state talk to your uh, minnesota for i guess you know a little bit about the gophers talk to some other fan bases see if they think that their guys get injured all the time too and see if uh it's it's consistent that would be interesting Maybe go to like Ohio State message board, search for injuries, and see if there's people like, man, we're injured all the time. Or maybe maybe they're not there. Maybe go to uh, Georgia, see if Georgia's super injured. I mean, didn't Georgia have like their their best receiver was like out for the entire year? He just came back recently, right? Pickens or something. Pickens, yeah, like one of their, yeah. So like, I mean, they could have been like, ah, oh, man, this guy always get, guys getting injured. I mean, what about uh the other quarterback from USC? He's been like hurt all year, right? And Stetson Bennett's just kind of taken over. Because uh, the other guy, why am I forgetting his name? The JT Daniels. Yeah, JT Daniels. I mean, he was supposed to be their starter, right? He's better in Stetson. Been a walk-on, but Bennett's kind of, I guess, taking the job over. But I know JT Daniels had like a groin injury or something for part of the year. I don't know if he's healthy now and just he's the backup or what. But uh, I mean, that, that's like two pretty key key pieces of Georgia that's been hurt, you know? So maybe it's it's more widespread than then maybe you realize i don't know uh okay so yeah I, I don't have anything else really on schmidt um but that's that's a big story i know
2: we'll learn more about that as you go on that's
0: it's kind of all i got on that's another one Venables of those in the staff yeah
2: jerry schmidt coming back that's another one of those narratives that i'm going to be watching very closely compared to usc because where i mean why I'm very familiar with what with what a Jerry Schmidt trained team looks like, obviously. Um, Ooh, also, keep track of injuries. Keep track of
0: USC injuries and Oklahoma injuries. and see how that... We'll have to remember to do that. Kind of starting in spring ball and whatnot. Yeah, let's do that. Why not? Yeah, for sure. All right, we've gone. This will be a two-hour podcast. But, uh, I mean, OU plays Oregon in the Alamo Bowl. We'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk about that at some point. Uh, all I know, I guess, newsworthy from that is that I think it's three players who have opted out. Benito, Winfrey, Asamoah. Does that sound about right? Anymore? I didn't see
2: that Asamoah opted out. That totally... That was today. Okay. That um, was today. Winfrey is opting out. I saw that he declared for the draft. In his little spiel, at no, at no point in time did it say he was opting out. Oh, really? Okay. Well, th- maybe that was fake news on my part. It's like, I mean, the the situation surrounding it, the way that he like posted the thing on social media, it was consistent with someone who would be opting out. But I read through his entire thing and it didn't say he was opting out. It just said he was going to the NFL draft. Okay. Whereas like Benito specifically said that he was opting out. Okay. Well maybe, uh, you know, maybe I just am
0: reading some poor news. Cause I'm looking at Brian Osamoa. I'm not sure if, uh, you know, this, this, this could be I could just delete this whole thing for the podcast. I could be wrong about it. Uh, but honestly,
2: I, I have no interest in talking about the Oregon game yet. Even oh, though I don't boy, there could be a lot of fun storylines. Oh, there's I mean, that game is going to be both teams are going to have so many opt. Like, that's what I mean. Kayvon Thibodeau has already opted out. Uh, Justin Flo, who is Oregon's second best player on their entire team, has is in the transfer portal. He's not going to play in the game. Um yeah, I mean that that game is like that game is not going to give us a very good gauge of unless I don't know, unless for OU it's it's a bunch of guys who who are going to be on the roster next year and we get to kind of see what's going on but I mean it's going to be it's going to be really vanilla. It's going to be I mean which I mean OU just going to be able to run their stuff cuz it's our it's all the same anyway.
0: <laughs> so I I think people are taking from AwesomeO's tweet cuz he says Ocho out. They're taking that as him opting out. Uh uh, Perrion Winfrey did I say Asamoah or Perrion Perry Winfrey says Ocho out so I think people are are taking that as him opting out of the game and there's also headlines that Asamoah's opted out but I haven't read his full thing
2: so um <laughs> who cares right with that that means <laughs> either they're pl- that means more of of the guy that everyone wants to see uh,
0: the guy who was playing like a trumpet at the OU basketball game on Tuesday night Danny Stutzman uh, by the way, bad loss for the OU basketball team. Real Man, bad that, loss. Real ugh. bad loss. That was not cool. Yikes. Hopefully they learn from it. All right. Anything else going on that we've missed? Boy, I, I, no, I don't think so. Uh, I, I do have one Facebook comment because I asked for your guys' hot, hottest takes or just any thoughts and stuff of all the things that have happened since the last podcast. And there's a long message here from longtime listener Sydney. And Sydney doesn't post a lot, but when he does, he usually is very thoughtful. And I enjoy listening, or not listening, but reading uh, his thoughts. And so I want to read Sydney's comment on the West of Everest Facebook page. Beginning with the beginning, it says, his biggest takeaways from everything that's gone on the last week. He says, this team will no longer be soft. This feels like OU football again. Biggest question marks for Sydney. He says, will Venables follow the same recruiting model as Dabo? No transfer portal players small number of offers, no visiting after committing, etc. So that's a big question mark as far as Venables and his recruiting strategy. Then Sydney has a hot take. He says, this needed to happen. I was defending Lincoln Riley because he was the head coach, but if we are being honest, getting dominated at the line of scrimmage against teams with far less talent was concerning. I think the future of OU football is brighter now than it would have been if everyone stayed. So kind of similar to... What I was saying earlier in the podcast about Oklahoma being better now than they were before. Sydney has a second hot take. He says, Riley will fail at USC. I'm not saying that out of spite. He was handed the keys to a championship caliber program, and we saw it get softer and less disciplined every year. Now he's going to a place that has to rebuild. I don't think he has it in him. The culture he's going to instill is the 2021 culture we saw at Oklahoma, not the 2017 culture. Interesting second hot take there. I'd be curious to to know more, Sydney. What you mean by fail? Because I I would guess Sydney, you're not you're not predicting that Riley's going to go seven and five, like, and what? Because he's too good of a coach to do that. I, I, he's not going to fail that much. But may, maybe that's what you're saying. I don't know. It's a hot take. Who knows? And then finally, Sydney's third hot take and maybe the hottest take. That's what he says. <laughs> Benny Wiley was as detrimental to the program as Mike Stoops was in 2018. There is a direct correlation between the regression and offensive line play and the hiring of Benny Wiley. I think that Beedenbow is going to be happy to be working with Schmitty again. So uh, a few hot takes there from Sydney, a longtime West of Everest listener from the West of Everest Facebook page. I wanted to read those. I thought some of those were pretty interesting, and I always like to get some of your feedback, guys. Uh, let's see. I, uh, you know, I obviously kind of agree with your first hot take because I, I, I do think this could be a blessing in disguise. Uh, I mean Lincoln Riley's culture going into the SEC speed D I just maybe I you know maybe it's because it's not going to be happening so I'm just trying to convince myself it's fine Uh, but I always try to kind of keep a level head I try to stay non-biased and man with Venables and Lebby and keeping Oklahoma's offensive staff mostly intact it looks like and and seeing who Venables is going to bring on defensively I'm excited man and that kind of mindset, that kind of culture, that kind of identity, I think is is what Oklahoma probably needs going to a tougher conference in the SEC. The other hot takes, I, I'm not so sure Lincoln Riley's is going to fail at USC, but I do think it'll take some time. I'm very curious to see if he can build a program from the ground up. Uh, he's certainly in a great spot to. Lot of lot of great talent. Because there,
2: I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, USC is that's that's the least talented they've been. Since before Pete Carroll has gotten there, I'm say, I'm saying this season, and I think right now, currently, their 2022 class is ranked like in the 80s. So, wow. I mean, it's the, USC could be very bad next year. Now they have Jackson Dart, uh, who is, you know, who I th- who I you know thought looked. I thought he looked okay when I watched him play this year. He looked terrible against Cal uh, the other day. Um, and they also have the other, they have Keaton Slovis as well, who I'm assuming is probably going to transfer. I I don't know. Maybe maybe Keaton Slovis will be OU starting quarterback next year. I don't know. Um, (laughs) who knows? But, uh, I don't know. It's, I'm, it's yeah. Year one man at USC is going to be super interesting, especially watching like speed D with, with not kind of the type of recruits that USC typically has. I mean that that program is a mess. That that program was not left in good shape by Clay Helton. Uh and then lastly
0: uh, Sydney's thoughts on Benny Wiley. We'll see. I again, I I said her a little bit ago, I just don't know enough about that role to like how much of a impact it has. People that are smarter than me say it has a pretty big impact. So we'll go with that, but it's one of those things where I'm not fully comfortable saying super confident things about this guy's gonna be great or this guy's bad, or because I just I really don't know much about it. But uh yeah, that's it. Grant, any other thoughts on Sydney's take? Any other thoughts on this podcast before we get out of here?
2: No, I just think it's um I mean this has definitely been the craziest two weeks or so, I think, in my OU fandom. I mean, it's been nuts. It's been um you think about it, right? I mean, this is the first this is the first time really this entire fan base has gone through a, a coaching search of this type. This is the first coaching search. In the social media age, this is the first coaching search in the in the mega college football age with with huge coaching salaries and um and and sort of the shift away from the bull centric stuff and more to the playoffs. I mean, it's a totally new sport, and this is this stuff is unprecedented. Like, and I am sure even the guys, the old timers who was, who were there, yeah, you know, even even remember kind of the Bob Stoops search vividly. This is totally different. I mean, this is completely different. Totally different animal. And uh, it's, it's been entertaining. I, I think it's been really entertaining. The My favorite part about it is is kind of the... is knowing that OU is giving themselves a chance to get better in the areas where, to me, it looked like they were really going to struggle under Lincoln Riley. And, and it mostly is that culture piece and that toughness piece, where after this season, to me, you know, you know as this season played on, it, it was clear to me that the toughness and them punching guys in the mouth was clearly the biggest hump that they needed to get over and this season gave me a lot of doubt as to whether or not that this that the current coaching staff was going to be able to do that um, and I'm sure this new coaching staff is going to is going to introduce a, you know other doubts and other things that we question as well but I, I, I do think that toughness piece punching guys in the mouth I think that's going to come a lot easier especially I mean honestly just with with BVB in there and then that, that, that's one area where the guys who stick around, I, I do think Jerry Schmidt, that will almost certainly help in that regard. How can it not? I mean, there's every, everyone, or at least a lot of people listening to this, have been through a really hard workout before. And that's, and that's not to compare those hard workouts to anything that Jerry Schmidt's going to do. But when you're done with those hard workouts, man, you feel like you climbed Everest. You feel great. You feel great. You don't always feel physically great. But emotionally and mentally, a lot of the times, you do. Because you accomplish something. Um, would you say that it feels like you climbed west of Everest? It's exactly what I would say, Lee. <laughs> Dynamite dropping. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but no, I mean, there's, I there's definitely... That. Yeah. So I'm... Um, you know, I, a lot of people have, have been on the narrative this week about how just kind of everything with, with Venables has, has sort of re-energized the program and that i mean that feels true there's um i i i think a lot of the antics that you saw like on sunday night you know at the airport and then just like with the big crowds on monday and i think a lot of that and i'm cards fully on the table here is to spite lincoln riley is that's none of that would have happened if 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 lincoln riley wouldn't have left in the manner that he did um but I think it does show; it definitely does show, kind of, you know, the juxtaposition there. I think is really fascinating. OU cares much more about football than USC does, um, and I think I think Lincoln Riley is going to. I hope that he is unpleasantly surprised by that. <laughs> well said.
0: All right. Well, with the bowl coming up at the end of the month, our show schedule will likely be a little different for the next few weeks. You know, Venables staff, it's going to have to be finalized here in the next few days, you would think. So I think that's going to give us some good content for next week's show. And then obviously next week is signing day as well. So, uh, you know, we'll get a good idea of how good Venables and the rest of the staff, how good they were at keeping Oklahoma's 2022 commitments and recruits. And we'll see who else maybe they can bring in that we're not expecting uh, by next week. So that'll, that'll be interesting. So, I mean, I say all that because, you know, we're going to have time next week to to do a show. Uh preferably Grant, we'll do it do it the day of signing day, Wednesday night, because that would kind of because
2: I mean, we should know everything by then. So Sounds good. We should have be the full chef the full staff, we should know. Yeah. Um and, and I'm sure they're going to get guys, t- you know, in, in the February signing as well, but um we're going to know if, you know, how much of uh how much the recruiting class stuck around, so uh, are there any, I guess I, are there any bowl matchups that kind of, that you've seen that pique your interest? Uh, there's dude, not really, uh, but in my eyes, by far, you know, outside of, um, the playoff game, you know, I think, I think Georgia, Michigan's a, I think it is a good game. I think Alabama Cincinnati is a great game. I think that's actually one of the silver linings of, um, of Alabama beating Georgia is that I do think Cincinnati can beat Alabama um because i've seen alabama almost lose to auburn to arkansas to um and struggle against other teams and cincinnati is a lot better than both of those teams i've seen cincinnati yeah, I get that it's just i mean nick saving with all this time to prepare he's always so good i agree but i'm just saying i i think i think cincinnati beating alabama is much more realistic than them beating georgia in that same position um I don't know. I, I like, I know. hey, I told you, I, 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 I think that is actually a possibility. I think Georgia is going to beat the crap out of Michigan. Um, but I think, I think Cincinnati is going to give Alabama a really good run for their money. And um, just because this is like, I, everyone fell in love, at, everyone totally forgot about Alabama's warts after that game on Saturday. It's still the same season. That's still the same team. We've seen Alabama at a high ceiling this season already, too. I don't think it surprised anyone that Alabama was capable of beating Georgia. Um, it's the same Alabama team that seven days prior to that needed kind of like a miracle at the end of the, at the, end of the game to even score against Auburn.
0: Oh, I, I understand all you're saying. It's just I, I'm using the same kind of logic I was using. when I, I kind of had an epiphany last Friday night before the SEC title game where I thought, eh, I think Alabama's going to probably win this game just to say like i don't think they're going to struggle two weeks in a row on offense they're going to figure out a way they're so good like everyone's kind of doubting them
2: and that's that's when
0: Nick's, a nick saban team is, plays its best and totally and no opposite here. totally
2: opposite here it's it's the biggest alabama versus is the biggest spread of any of the bowl games and that's just not correct right.
0: sure sure but it's it's heck when ou played bama ou was a, a 14 point dog and Cincinnati is less than less than two touchdowns. So like uh it's not like Alabama is not gonna be ready to play. I mean, sure, I I get what you're saying. Uh I guess we're gonna figure out how good of a coach Luke Fickle is. You're saying how prepared are those guys
2: gonna be? They have Cincinnati's got two really good corners. Really good corners. A guy who a guy Sauce Gardner, who a lot of people think is gonna be a first round NFL draft pick, and they have they have the number one graded corner in the entire country per pro football focus. Who is not Sauce Gardner, the guy opposite of him? Um, hey, I'm not saying like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out and like predict that it's gonna happen, but much like much like Texas A&M beating Alabama, my sirens are going off, and I'm not I'm, I'm not <laughs> all right. And um, uh, but other than that, I think I think Ohio State Utah is a is an excellent game. Um, Utah, I think right now is probably playing um like a like a top four team in the country right now. Uh, they're obliterating. Pretty much everybody that they've played the last six or seven weeks, um, and and we've seen Ohio State. They they've struggled against everyone with a pulse this year. Sands, Michigan State, uh, but there was kind of a Michigan State literally has the worst pass defense in all of college football. So that well, was yeah. Kind they've of struggled
0: a, with every they've struggled with every team that has a
2: good defense.
0: Yeah, right? I mean because Michigan yes. State did not have a good defense.
2: Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good way of putting it. Um, I think Ole Baylor is really interesting. Um, just to see, I get a we get a look at that Jeff Lebby offense going against Dave Aranda's defense. Kind of a an early preview well, of that's that. That's
0: a thing. Like, is 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 Lebby going to be there for that game? I, I don't I know, just,
2: but I mean, presumably, it's going to be the same system. Yeah. Um, and then other bet, than that, yeah, I bet. Yeah, we'll uh, Iowa State Clemson is a really good game. That's that's a really really interesting game. That's a game that um the public is going to be heavy on Clemson. I'm saying if he, anyone's going to bet, go go with Iowa State on the money line in that game. That's a I, that well, that to me uh, feels right, like a right now they're uh, right now it's it's even
0: it's it's the game's even so I mean that
2: surprises there's, me. There's actually. no
0: advantage, yeah. Um, so that they're saying that game's even, uh, yeah. I it's one of those things where it's just these teams are so different by the time they get to these bowl games where I'm just not as excited as I normally am. Clemson, super adult-
2: super young team going through a weird transition season. Uh, final swan song for all of like the the Iowa State dudes that have been there for seven years, and they've had a disappointing season. Seven They're, years. Iowa State is going to win that game.
0: But uh, yeah, wasn't uh, Iowa State's like big big bowl game against OU or whatever you know, or uh, or maybe it was the, the the last game of the year where you called them just blowing out whoever it was, TCU or like one of those West Virginia maybe. Uh, It was TCU, I think. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have any thoughts on these bowl games yet. I I don't know. Um, Okay, so we'll do all that stuff. We'll talk about a lot of stuff later on because that's all we do is talk because we talk for over two hours because that's what we do. Uh, Okay, so yeah, we'll do a show next week uh, and then after that we'll, we'll figure it out because we got some time before OU plays on the 29th I'm still trying to figure out if I'm going to be going to the game or not. Uh, something tells me I probably will. I've never been to San Antonio before. So, yay, I guess. Uh, but we'll see. Uh,
2: okay. Uh, one of my, we'll keep you
0: updated on the West of... It. Yeah,
2: I was going to say, one of, my, one of my favorite OU games of all time played in the Alamo Dome. The 2007 Big 12 Championship game where OU oh, yeah. beat the number one ranked Missouri Tigers. Love that yeah. game. What a, right. That game is just... Put that, one in the, uh, put that one in the Louvre. That's just so many great moments in that game.
0: Yeah, Chase Daniel didn't have a chance in that one, man. Did not have a chance in that one. Uh, okay, so yeah, we'll keep you updated on the West of Everest Facebook page. Give it a like, and you can stay up to date with all of us and all of the plans. So we are done. Until next time. Uh, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.